Imagine there's no heaven, Chris. It's easy if you tried. If oh, <laughs> never mind then. Forget it then. <laughs> hey, boomers! This is Metal Mate. It's Sonic the Comic the Podcast, the fortnightly show that goes back to examine a banger, which you shouldn't do, or you'll end up with your hand in a big glove of plaster cast like that girl in the fireworks safety film. So instead, you should send experts, and that's us, the Humes who think we're in charge. I'm Dave Fulmer. I've got the glass of water at the ready. I'm Chris McFeely. <laughs> we're here with issue number 121 of the Sega-sational Sonic comic, Sonic the Comic. <laughs> From the 90s. Man, if we were recording this live and in yeah. person, I would absolutely have just chucked some water in your face right then and there. Purely for the Foley effect, you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. you, this is you 120. Yeah, although he does that whenever we meet at any capacity. Doesn't need an excuse. He doesn't know it's coming. He forgets every time. <laughs> I do. Such a bad memory. But we remember this comic, don't we? Do you remember this one? I do. Well, I mean, I don't remember this issue. Do you remember how it said that it was out on the 27th of January, 1998, on the cover? I do, but that's wrong because it actually came out on the 14th of January... 1998. All of 90. Here we are, 1998. Technically, our our first actual issue of 1998, because last issue came out on the 31st. God knows when you're hearing this exactly. You might be hearing it a little earlier. You might be hearing it a little later. You know what? You know what just struck me as I was realizing is this is the first issue of 1998. And obviously, we made a point of repeatedly mentioning it over the course of 1997, but I feel like it just must be driven home now at the end of 97, start of 98. Mega Drive Stone Dead. Yeah. No more Mega Drive games to be released right. in Europe. The last Mega Drive game in Europe, uh-huh. apparently FIFA 98. Well. It's hard to tell. It's either FIFA 98 or Jurassic Park Rampage Edition or whichever one of those it was. Wikipedia doesn't have a date for FIFA 98. You but know, it's going to be towards the end of the year for Christmas. End of 97, right? isn't it? Yeah. There is one more game to be released on the Mega Drive or the Genesis, if you prefer, in America, which is a port of Frogger. <laughs> oh, no. Which is a bit of a oh. a way to go to limp out. Do you know, actually, hold on. Oh. Haven't had to dust this tome off in a while, because the... Uh, He's just limping out to get something. Just hold on one minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seymour. It is uh, uh, the Sega Mega Drive and Genesis Encyclopedia yes. by Chris Scullion, which I haven't had cause to crack for the no. podcast in a while. You can throw it in the incinerator now. <laughs> Done. Done with. <laughs> I do wish this book had existed just a few years earlier than it was released. Yeah, yeah here we go. Frogger, 1998. Published by yeah. Majesco. It's better to burn out than fade away, says the encyclopedia. <laughs> Sang the legendary Neil Young once in a 1979 song. Presumably Mr. Young was predicting the future lifespan of the Sega Genesis because the final <laughs> game released for the console was this underwhelming port of the 1981 arcade game, Frogger. That was some... STC copy that was. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, it was a completely random <laughs> reference to something that you'd have to ask your parents yeah. about. <laughs> Despite being a 17-year-old game at the time, Frogger was more or less ported to the Genesis with no improvements, upgrades, or special features whatsoever. <laughs> well. So that's still to come in 98, but as far as Europe is concerned, we're done. And there we are. That's it. Bye-bye, Mega Drive. We thoroughly knew ye. We knew ye so well. Mm. Biblically! Mm. Yeah, I was always sticking it in the slot. And that's the note we choose to enter 1998 My Okay, well, Sonic is leaping into 1998, isn't he? Here he is on the cover of Mick McMahon. He is uh, jumping over what appears to be 
what appears to be, if you haven't read this issue yet, um, uh, you know, like a ring like we used to have in the old Knuckles stories. When, when was it when he found that big teleport ring? It was the ring? original Chaotix story, right, right after yeah. the end of the uh, Sonic and Knuckles adaptation. Total Chaotix. Yeah, and Knuckles is climbing through that magically, whereas Sonic is just hopping over just it. Lapping over it. Physically. And uh, despite all our talk of the Mega Drive being dead, yeah. all the other cover text is about how cool and hot and hip Sega is. Yeah. And definitely of the now and of the time and something you definitely want to get into. Yeah. Because we've got uh, two, two Sega World entry vouchers free inside again. Yeah. Is it again? I thought was it not an advert for this last? last no, time? we we had we had free voucher, we had free entry vouchers before because remember it's free to get in now. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, no, at this point, now that they're doing it again, uh-huh. surely some of the information on the internet must be slightly mistimed. Oh, I didn't think of that. Like it couldn't be that it's free to get into Sega World now, and they're printing free vouchers to get in. The cheek of it, you couldn't. Yeah. I would understand if it happened once and they suddenly changed policy yeah. after it went to press. But now they're doing it again. There must be a little bit of overlap in between the free entry vouchers and when they decided to just make it free to get in. Yeah, you must be right. So somebody, whoever put that on Wikipedia, must have just been remembering and remembering slightly wrong. We all do that. No shame in it. Or it could be that this issue was already in the machine when they dropped Maybe. the entry fee that could happen as well that could that would be very embarrassing but it could happen because very embarrassing sega anytime after 1994 could be very embarrassing it? sonic the hedgehog <laughs> being a sonic fan <laughs> our specific contribution to that our life <laughs> being us <laughs> Being you listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the bigger Sado? <laughs> the Sado or the Sado who listens to his podcast? It's Sado's all the way down. <laughs> Lunar. But if you don't want to be a big Sado, you could also <laughs> enter this competition to win 30 special edition baseball jackets. Yeah, the classic Sonic 2 baseball jackets. They still... Haven't shifted them all. And there's also a giant mountain bike combo in this issue again. Yep. So it's all repeats, I'm realising. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this is the start of the rerun era. We've had the entry vouchers before. We've had those jackets before, and this is the second time in, what, three months that they've done a Sunpat bike? Yeah, it's literally, yeah, it's specifically a Sunpat bike. It's not just the same brand of bike, it's Sunpat again. I was very mm. surprised. Well, it's, it's, it's Giant is the brand. That's yeah, what we, that's we've, the brand of giant bike. Giant is the brand yeah. of bike, and it's Sunpat doing the comp yeah. again. Uh, but there are three new stories, at least. One, Double Sonic. The other is Knuckles, and that's it, apparently. They that's didn't that. bother to list the third one. No. <laughs> Well, maybe it's just, maybe Double Sonic counts as two. <laughs> Probably, do. I bet you know. I bet it does. I bet that's what they mean. Three new stories. They mean Double Sonic. They mean two Sonic stories. I bet that is it. I bet you got it. And a decap attack pinup on the back cover. It's just the Sega World merchandise post away form for what the third time. Doing their best. They are doing their best. God love them. They're trying to get all of the excess stock of both Sega World merch and tickets. Maybe that's it. They know they're about to cancel the ticket fees, and they've just printed too many. <laughs> Hands up all you Knuckles fans out there Says Megadroid Oh yeah, that's most of you Well the good news is your favourite echidna Begins a new four part adventure this issue 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. This was, I, I popped open the issue not really thinking about what was going to be in this issue. And then there was this sudden quick hit of realization where I was like, ooh, Elsa. First, I, you know, I open it right up and I see the page of Elsa and Sonic yes. art. And I'm like, ooh, Kitching Elsa and Sonic. Ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh, Kitching Knuckles. Ooh, ooh, the second part of Short Fears versus Vermin. Ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. this is going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. this, this was this poof, poof, poof that I got as I popped the issue open. I, I got it. I wasn't thinking hard enough as I did that. So I got it as I went through it. I'm like, oh, cool, oh, cool, as we go through. Um, and But I got one here. Knuckles partnered by Porker Lewis. Knuckles stars in the nail-biting story on the run. Porker back! Porker! Porker back! Brilliant. Of course he should be partnered by Porker. I love that now. Partnered with Porker, sure. Yes, partnered with Porker. When did it, why, did I say partnered by because they say partnered by? No, no, that's what it, that's what it says. Yes, yes. It, that's how it's That is odd, isn't it? Partnered? I wasn't calling you out, yes. Oh, it might be the first time. <laughs> yeah um don't worry dave like i would i would let you know that i was calling you out yeah. if i was calling you out <laughs> um so i'm excited about that but don't worry the star of the show has not been overlooked because there's a sonic obviously and da, 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 and there's competitions yeah, 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 yeah. and then uh, so, uh, some packs, lists blah, blah, blah. the contents and concludes by saying no don't thank me nothing's too good for you boomers and then we've got a little uh feature box that says sonic boons Boons. Like a Sonic's boon. Yes. It may be January, but STC's still in the mood for giving, and that's why... I, uh, call me silly, but I actually got a little bit excited when I read this. <laughs> for, uh, because the next two issues of STC will feature an exclusive free gift. Yes! Free gift. Don't know what. Doesn't say what. No, it doesn't. Have, does it, is there even a next issue page? Oh, yeah, there, there it is. There is, yes. Yeah, no mention of what it is. Yes, there is. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's right there. What, just the poster? Yeah, I know. It's, That's it, normal! It just sucks you. No, when it says free, it obviously means it's probably a polybagged issue. Oh, it's folded up in the bag. Okay, yeah. fine. All right, fine. Make sure you've got your copies reserved. Even better, why not use the form and doobie-doo, blah, 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 blah. And they've had to turn the font up really big for this. Yeah, there's no <laughs> content for the control zone this issue. No, so let's, let's have our own content, shall we? Let's get on with the strip. Hobson and Choi, Part 1. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, and letters by Ellie DeVille. Sonic learns that Tails is tackling a badnik attack in the Metropolis Zone all on his lonesome and speeds out to help his little buddy. Together they bop the bots and expose the baddos responsible, the Dr. Robotnik Appreciation Tribe. Meanwhile, on the Dracon Empire's world, Petty criminals Hobson and Choi are sentenced to prison by the Emperor, but as they're led to the cells, they snatch a Dracon Prosecutor's staff and use it to summon a Mobius ring they can escape through, which brings them right to Dr. Robotnik's base on Mobius. So straight away we've got Kinderball Computer. Whee! Love to see the Kinderball Computer. So it's a double hit. It's not just Elson. It's Elson and Kinderbors here. And that always just makes me feel at home. Yeah, it's there's a little something to that. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's slightly an odd Kinderbor. Like, don't you think he looks different here? He's got a really round head. He's got the compasses out for his head. Uh, I suppose I hadn't really thought about it. I think so. I think he looks different. Oh, no, no. Uh, he's missing his hair. <laughs> That's what's wrong. He's what the hell? Hair. He's missing his hair. 
That is exactly what's wrong. I wonder if that's a thing to watch out for now. Should we just... Like, has the model changed, or did Elson just do a goofaroo on this one? He's done three goofaroos, if so, on the same page. That's what I'm saying. Should... It's consistent across the whole page. Should we check the recent times he's appeared? Like, when he's been reinstated? Oh, is... yeah, let's have a quick look at whenever they... When did they reinstall him? The only other time was back at the first part of the Dracon Empire storyline, so yeah. let's pull that boy. I feel like someone in the Discord would have had a go at us if that had happened and we hadn't noticed. <laughs> no, he's got his hair there. He's okay. Okay, then. Well, that will be something to watch out for in future issues. Yeah. But it does feel like a slip. You can't be deliberate, can it? But then also, it was an encumbrance. Like, it must have been annoying to draw. <laughs> Especially when you're round the back. <laughs> well, yeah. Have we? I don't think we've ever seen Kinterbor from the back, we have we? must have. Probably, but... Must It's like have. seeing Robotnik from behind and realising he's got no ears. You know, it's unpleasant. Good start, though, I must say, oh, yeah. with Tails here. Th- this is... This is our bread and butter, isn't it? Yeah. You and I get really into this sort of stuff yeah. because it's been such a focus of conversation over and yeah. over and over again in the course of doing this podcast. Sonic's popped in. It's just him and Kintabor, and he wants just dropping in to see what's new. And Kintabor says, Nothing much. The zone's been pretty quiet lately. Uh, there is one thing. Tails is out in the Metropolis Zone battling a bunch of badniks. And Sonic goes, when it's just him and the computer... Yeah, when he's alone, because the computer's not a person, so he's alone. Yeah. <laughs> what? My little buddy up against a horde of deadly badniks? He'll need my help, but fast. Well, not really, actually. He's, he's doing rather well. Oh. And Sonic looks visibly annoyed by that. He's taking a hit to the ego there. <laughs> Full stop. Single speech bubble. That's yeah. it. Nothing else. Well, still, I, yeah, I think I'll take a look. We don't want Tails getting the idea he can do without me. <laughs> Lovely. The the Mwah. the minute he hears Tails is in trouble, he's straight. He's voicing his fondness for Tails, ready to head off without a hesitation. Yep. Like, love know. it. Good, good. <laughs> and then we turn the page, and uh, no, look, right. Yep. I remembered. Uh, I think we talked about it very briefly at the end of last issue. I remembered Hobson and Choi as a name, as a concept mm. of a big guy and a little guy. Yeah. Uh, cr- uh, crony figures. I remember nothing about them and nothing about their story. And I especially did not remember <laughs> it was a Dracon thing. <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. Because what we get as we turn the pages, we pick up where we left off just a couple of issues ago with Turncoat Grimer now being the advisor to Emperor Kodor, yeah. telling him about the Chaos Emeralds and the Floating Island yeah. and Knuckles. Yeah. Double the Knuckles this issue, this little holographic projection of Knuckles. This is the stuff that we've really settled into really being excited about. Anytime it cuts to some Dracons, it's like, yeah, cool, let's settle in. What's going to happen here? I didn't expect to, right? I really didn't. I couldn't have anticipated that at all. No, because they're just a bunch of OCs. It's no different than Jeffrey Sinjin and Dr. Quack. And yet, because I think because it's gone hand in hand with reinvigorating our energy for the comic because it's a different kind of plot to what Kitching's normally done with a a wider view of long game storytelling and it is also still grounded in stuff from the games Flicky's Island and the Chaos Emeralds absolutely and the fact that it's been all of these lengthy conversations about people double crossing each other and villains and you and you haven't needed to always focus on Sonic of course it always brings it back to him but like what it reminds (laughs) what it reminds me of in a very Dave way is when you got old enough and good enough at reading to graduate from the first Puddle Lane books to the second set of Puddle Lane, but from the green ones to the red ones for the older Dave. readers. And the, <laughs> there was a, a guy went off on a big long quest or something instead of it just being someone else's house every book. Yeah, we've stepped up a level here <laughs> of reading comprehension. 
I I refuse to take on the analogy, but I yeah there there is yes there is something has changed in the way the story is being told here and again not a knock against this set of seven pages whatsoever we do spend four of them with sonic but the sonic bit is wholly divorced from what the strip is named for yeah it's like since this all started the villains are now like an equal part of what the story is about instead of just being the baddie inciting incident for Sonic to deal with. Yeah. Now the villains have their own plot and counterplot and, and competing uh, things. And, and I hear these two new guys as well. They've got independent lives from Sonic now in a way yes, that... Yes, of, that's a good way of putting it. You know what I mean? Like in a way that Robotnik kind of never did. It, in fact, yeah. I'll tell you what this is like. This is sort of what the special zone stuff should have been like, isn't it? Here's something else that's going on. We're stepping up to the next level now. New set of villains. It's all like this. We, we've introduced a new world, a new yeah. set of characters, but instead all they did was superhero parodies. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this, it's another approach to the same thing because we've already compared this to like old Marvel writing and things like this. But it's... This works. This fits and it feels right. And of course, to have this thing of Grimer, like, I'm still, I, d I can't believe Grimer has betrayed Robotnik, so I still sort of think that he hasn't. I could see a twist coming. Yeah, but I don't know. It could, I, I don't could, know, it though. It could genuinely go either way. Yeah. That's what's fun about waiting to find out if he's really done it or not. <laughs> it's thrilling, isn't it? <laughs> Like, what is it? So yeah, he's just walking the Emperor through this little holographic projection. He explains the emeralds keep the floating island in the air, mm -hmm. but there's a problem with it. They can't just storm in there and get him because there's Knuckles. I didn't even think of it, but what a great way of... Re We've established over the last few issues that Knuckles himself has been absent from the comic for so long that all of this actually needs reintroduction for younger readers or newer readers. Yeah, long enough. What a great way to do it! Grimer betrays Robotnik and tells new villains what the status quo is to do with all of that. Great! I'm reminded of, not so long ago, the start of Best of Enemies, where Sonic and Tails had that very expository conversation about the floating island and the emeralds oh, and everything yeah. to, to set up that, that information. Nice little note here where Grimer says that he understands Knuckles now has an army of robots. Yes. So that's cool. Cool, Remember all right. That? That, that's from like 20 issues yeah. ago. Literally, in fact, 20 issues ago. <laughs> His power is nothing compared to the might of the Dracon Empire. You were right to betray Dr. Robotnik and join the Dracon Empire, Grimer. Together, you and I will rule the universe. Now hold still while I insert your fish. <laughs> Where would it go? <laughs> Grimer's got that tech pack. Uh, yeah. There's this hesitancy to what Grimer says next. Mm. I, I just got tired of being on the side of the losers. But does what's what's that about? What's mm. that? What's that lack of certainty about? Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. Could be something there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in come the prisoners. Emperor, I have the prisoners. And a guard brings in Hobson and Choi. Hobson, a big blue buck-toothed, big blue round, big... Imagine Big the Cat, but he's not a cat. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's quite Big the Catish, isn't he? He's big and round. He's a big circle with big arms and legs sticking off. Choi is this little... Well, he looks like a porcupine or something. He's, he's a little purple mm. spiky guy. And of course, Hobson is the... He doesn't seem dumb, but he's the muscle. Yes. And Choi is the little guy with the plan. Yes. Picture furry asterisks and obliques. 
that's what they are. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not how they act. Um, no. I have the vague memory that that was kind of the gag with them. The, the big obelisk one's got the stripy blue trousers and everything. <laughs> but Choi isn't an Asterix. He's he's a he's wilder. He's got a mad look glint in his eye, isn't he? In that last yeah. panel. He's a he's a little yeah yeah right boss. He is a little baddie. He's not prisoner of the Dracon Empire because he's a goodie. I mean, they have only been accused of defacing one of the emperor's statues. To be fair, so it's nothing in particular and the, the emperor is so consumed with plotting big evil he's like no no i'm busy yes. throw them in the cells and i'll decide their punishment when i'm ready maybe in a year or two but uh, they've had their magic potion haven't they <laughs> yeah hobson just grabs two uh, sentinels heads and bashes them together then fully shoulders the prosecutor to the ground and Choi grabs the stick and opens up a mobius ring yes i like that he yes he, he grabs the stick that the guard thing he was holding and uh, that turns out, and he, as he explains, this is a remote control that lets us open a Mobius ring, as in a Flicky's Island one. Mm-hmm. And they, they jump through that to somewhere... Then we pick back up with Sonic. And once again, just really loving how, for whatever reason, Kitching has decided that it's all about Sonic and Tails now. Yes. Ever since Flicky's Island started, yeah. 17 issues ago, Kitching has done Sonic and Tails stories. It makes sense to me because... I like this as the idea, anyway, that Sonic and Tails were always best friends, but it was necessary during the occupation to have a bigger team, and maybe Tails wasn't the strongest fighter on that team, but now that that's all sorted out, they're back to best friends again. I didn't think of it like that, but yes, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Johnny's got lives to go back to, Himmy has a girlfriend now, (laughs) and Sonic and Tails just get to be buddies Doing it like it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what it is, isn't it? And speaking of doing it like it used to be. Here he comes speeding into the scene and he watches his tails with a lovely little smile on his face. A little open mouth <laughs> smile. having a brilliant time, isn't he? Punching badniks. And Sonic says to himself, hey, it looks like the little guy really doesn't need my help. But then when he, then he says that to himself, but then as soon as he speaks to tails, he says, oh, so you figured you'd get all the glory for yourself, <laughs> huh? Sonic, uh, oh, oh no, of course not. It's just I, I just, I just thought I could handle it alone. Mm. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And Sonic points out the thing that we'd all noticed really in the yes. in the first panel because Rich has drawn some lovely badniks here, and part of what's so lovely about them is we remember them all from the olden days. These are from the game. Fr- exactly. <laughs> well, well. Not actually from the games, but... The way that he's illustrated these are old badniks is not just by drawing a caterpillar with the mad eyes that he likes to put on caterpillars. Yes. But he's included splats. We got a splats, we got a caterpillar, we got... It's a neutron, but they're green and yellow. I don't know where where that comes from, but we have seen these green and yellow neutrons before. I remember Andy Pritchett drew them in, like, issue 98, 99. It's quite an STC idea of classic badniks, isn't it? And ball hogs, but with bat wings. But with bat wings and they fly. I I feel as if we've investigated these before. I feel like that has appeared somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, before too. But basically... They're recognisable, mm. because if they were new brand Robotnik badniks sent out from Flicky's Island, they, they wouldn't be. No, they'd just so be made up for instantly, them. we as an audience are like, hey, old badniks. Sonic and Tails fighting badniks. Actual badniks. And that's the first thing Sonic notices, yep. that they are all so old, but they haven't fought them in years. But you're so old. And Tails is going, well, yeah, but I know, but... And, and Sonic's going, Robotnik would know we could beat these guys in our sleep, and look at how badly built they are. He just... 
bonks his hand down on the top of the head of a moto bug and it just falls to bits. Oh, oh I felt a bit sorry for Tails in this bit because Sonic's, you know, he's turned up to tell him, like, uh, I can see why you're fighting these Why well, you're yeah. doing so yeah. well because these Vadniks are a bit crap. But never mind. The look at that panel there on Tails taking the Neutron's Punching head off. One, yeah. He's so happy Yay, with himself. Punch. Yeah. Punch. <laughs> My guess is these Badniks are controlled by someone else. Really? He's a little disappointed. Like, Look at him in the top right panel with his little crossed eyes as he bonks one down overarm. These are <laughs> these are some of the best Elson Taleses, I think. Yeah, oh, oh I'm enjoying it so much. <laughs> and it turns out that the guys who are behind these old badniks are hiding behind a nearby billboard or light stand or whatever yeah. it is. Sonic whips around, jostles them all, and it turns out that they're members of Drat. Which is nice because that's a loose stringer well, idea. Well, this is so it. It's nice to see Kitching using it. See, the thing is, stepping back a bit, there's actually not really that much point to this bit with the Badniks and Drat, really. What I was saying earlier on, it's wholly divorced from the actual stuff the strip is named for. It's di- Yes, but more than that, it's not even really a story or anything, is it? It's just like Sonic and Tails are fighting some Badniks and these guys are behind them. But what it does do is it's it's an interesting moment where Nigel announces he's embracing Drat, a Lou Stringer thing. And that's that's always yeah, nice yeah. to see when the when the worlds cross over. Because we've more than when we were reading it as kids, we realised doing this podcast that there's a bit of a Nigel verse and a bit of a Looney verse. Yeah. And um yeah, it's it's nice to see those things cross over, even if it's a it's a bit of a weightless story. It just gives us some nice time with Sonic and Tails. Oh, it's such lovely times, though. Exactly. Like, That's what's really happening here. It's it's a little status quo. Do you remember Sonic and Tails? Do you remember Badniks? Biff Boff Boff. remember? I remember them. Do you remember them? Mm. But then behind all of that is this looming sinister something going on with the, the Drakens and with Grimer. And we're obviously going to return to the Floating Island and the Chaos Emerald. So we know... Everything is about to go to sh** for Sonic and Tails any minute. But, you, but then also there's this whole other thing with these two new Whoever guys these called Thompson and yeah. Joy. Yeah. It's a third thing. Mm. There's a lot going on in seven pages to have essentially three whole separate <laughs> plots in play. Look at that panel there where like the cops show up and arrest the Drat guys and, and then Tails, big old grin, <laughs> airlifts Sonic away. They, they just leave and it's like, let's get out of here before I throw up. <laughs> Bring back the doctor! They're chanting. Lovely. Oh. What good stuff. Yeah. Like just like if, if I just had to read little stories about Sonic and Tails just yeah. fighting bad next month. Ah mm. yes. Ah and and you really see how the characterization had crystallized in Kitching's mind yeah. by this point. Like and he was really putting it all on the page. Yeah. And yet people love to post out of context panels I from know. ninety issues ago. Oh God, I know. Maybe we should just keep po- maybe we should post this out of context and seed it. And then we cut to a lovely little teaser for whatever's going to happen next, which is that we go to wherever it is that Hobson and Choi appear. And it would appear to be Robotnik's base, because there's Robotnik just, like, peering round the doorway, going, what? What? And he's seen them first, so he's gonna is he going to knuckles them? I reckon, yeah, yeah I reckon we, Dr. Robotnik's getting himself some... Well, he needs new henchmen, doesn't yeah. he? No Grimer oh, anymore. Oh, yeah! Oh, he's all by himself. Yeah, all there on... I'm honestly, I'm surprised that they've left him there. Yeah. If there was a surprise in this issue for me, apart from discovering the Hobson and Troy thing was a Grimer thing, it's that the Emperor was content to leave Robotnik there and not fire him in the dungeons for lying. I guess he's seen what a pathetic individual he is. He, he's all about... What a pathetic individual he is right now. He's a man built for power. He's got black eyes with red pupils. He's big. <laughs> he kind of looks strong. He's he's you know, He's got that big... He's baring his teeth all the time. He's all, ah, ha, ha, well, I will take over. And he hasn't even got a friend left. He hasn't even got a lackey left. 
Well, he might have two now. And he's lost all the red out of his nose, even. Look, that's how drained <laughs> Yes, he is. that is noticeable, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Flesh coloured nose. It's drooping. <laughs> his nose is disengorged. <laughs> all this time, all this time, <laughs> power has given him this big engorged Fully nose. emasculated. <laughs> his poor nose has no blood flowing to it anymore. It's just dangling there. When he turns his head, it like flops around. <laughs> 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 Well, and then, yeah, he watches from round the corner as they emerge through the ring. You see, Hobson, I told you this was going to work. <laughs> you can count on me for sure. Uh, I've heard that before. Yep, I sure have. Next, the new recruits. So, obviously, he's going to knuckle some. I'm, I'm guessing, obviously, because, because I do not nope. remember. Literally, the only thing I know about these guys mm-hmm. is that they're named after... And I only know this from hearing Nigel Kitching say it on the internet oh. a long, long, long time ago. They're named after the concept of the Hobson's, Hobson's Choice. choice. Yes. Just in case you didn't know out there, folks. A Hobson's Choice is whenever you're given a choice, but there's really only one choice for you to take. Uh, the, the classic example of the Hobson's Choice, to quote from Wikipedia, hmm? is take it or leave it. That's what a Hobson's Choice is. Do you know who Hobson was? Uh, I believe he was a... a, a What's the word? Uh, Lollygagger. <laughs> a jack and apes. <laughs> oh, I can't get the word. I want to say philosopher, but that's not what I mean to say. Uh, no, no, he was a guy that owned horses. <laughs> that's, that's right, equestrian, not a philosopher. <laughs> that's it, equestrian, yes. So the story goes, and it's unclear whether the story is true, but the story goes that Hobson was the owner of a stable where people would rock up needing a horse and see 40 of the things all groomed and grazing and ready to go. And naturally, they'd look up and down the line of them and point to the best one and go, that one, please. At which point Hobson would go, no, no, because he'd realized that if you have a champion best horse, everyone's going to want to take that one out. So you'll end up with a load of neglected horses getting weaker and weaker, and a few really good ones getting thoroughly knackered out until all you've got is rubbish horses that can hardly get themselves out of bed. So his rule was, you get the nearest horse to the door, or you get no horse at all. Want a horse? You're getting whichever's next in the queue. But sir, his customers would presumably cry, in a free market economy like we definitely have in 1600, is not the customer afforded his choice? Yes, says Hobson, you can choose this horse or you can choose to get fu- So he must have really annoyed all of those people who wanted horses so much yeah, that that is now- So much so that that would enter popular culture from <laughs> there, right? It's like that guy who sold bad copper whose complaint has persisted down inscribed into a, a tablet. Oh, yeah. You know, the one that people talk about <laughs> yeah. online. It's like the first customer complaint in the world, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Tell Ian Azir, Nanny sends the following message. When you came, you said to me as follows. I will give Gimli Sin when he comes fine quality copper ingots. You left then, but you didn't do what you promised me. You put ingots which were not good before my messenger sits in and said, if you want to take them, take them. If you don't want to take them, go away. I'm I'm reading this out because it's a Hobson's choice, guys. (laughs) What do you take me for that you treat somebody like me with such contempt? 
I have sent, as messengers, gentlemen like ourselves to collect the bag with my money deposited with you, but you have treated me with contempt by sending them back to me empty-handed several times, and that through enemy territory! Is there anyone among the merchants who trade with Telman who has treated me in this way? You alone treat my messenger with contempt? On account of that one trifling mina of silver which I owe you, you feel free to speak in such a way? While I have given to the palace on your behalf 1,080 pounds of copper, and Umiabum has likewise given 1,080 pounds of copper, apart from what we both have had written on a sealed tablet to be kept in the Temple of Samus. How have you treated me for that copper? You have withheld my money bag from me in enemy territory. It is now up to you to restore my money to me in full. Understand that from now on, I will not accept here any copper from you that is not of fine quality. I shall, from now on, select and take the ingots individually in my own yard, and I shall exercise against you my right of rejection because you have treated me with contempt! He'd probably be quite proud to, like, live on in that form to know that a Hobson's choice is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd stand by it now, mm, oh centuries yeah. later. Oh, yes. <laughs> Knuckles. On the Run, Part 1. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Elita Fell. It's been months, but Knuckles and Porker Lewis are still struggling to get the Floating Island's ancient technology fully up and running. As they work, Porker discovers, and accidentally activates, one of the island's dimensional gateways, which teleports the pair to the Special Zone. Porker hotwires a payphone in order to contact the only locals they know, the Chaotics, who are busy taking on super criminals, the Zombie Brothers. But two cops spot him in the act and mistake him for a wanted felon named Oscar the Pig. And so we pick up with Knuckles where we left him 20 yeah. issues ago. Once again, all the Knuckles stories continue yes. to weave together through this thread. Yes. Even though that was a lovely place to end it, where mm -hmm. the big chain of stories with him finally bringing home his chest of secrets after his year-long trek, and we pick up where he's still trying to use the documents recovered from the chest, all unfolded oh, yeah. in scrolls that, here in front of him. I didn't him. even notice. There they are on the table. First time we see Knuckles in the strip, he's got all the scrolls on the table trying to figure them out. But the story flows from where we left it straight into the next as their yeah. continued attempts to repair the technology of the floating island result in the discovery and activation of this ring. Brilliant. Just, just brilliant. Just the Love smoothest, yeah. smoothest silk from bit to bit, you know? And because we had that nice little break, uh -huh. and now we have this as a sort of... Let's call it a status quo, even though I don't think it really is one, because I don't think we get much more in the way of solo knuckle strips. It does not feel like Kitching now feels like he's like playing a delaying action on not having to reveal the secrets of the Akinas mm. anymore. You mm -hmm. know, we've got this situation where everything's been wrecked. Knuckles has the documents. They've got the secrets, but it's all a bit beyond him. Yeah, Kitching has, has figured out. He's he's just. Figured it all out, man. He <laughs> yeah. just figured it he's all out, hasn't he? He's just good at this, isn't he? He's just good. Well, it's lovely to go back to this, return where we left off. With Dobbin, nonetheless, just to oh, point yes. that out, you know? It's been 20 issues, but we still yes. know it's gotta be... Gotta be Dobbin. The two Nigels on, on a Knuckles, like, that's how you know this... Ma Unlike, and I'm not being mean, but unlike 
uh, last issue where we had uh, like a, a stringer Carl Flint knuckles and tails strip. It's like, well, I know that didn't matter. I knew I knew from page one that wasn't going to matter. First page, the two Nigels. This is a knuckle. There we go. Like, you know, I'm programmed. The first thing that he gives us is that a lovely whole page tall thing of the floating island in the sky above some Mobius. Really small in the sky, but having that weight that Dobbin gives it. And lovely windswept sky with these like trails mm. of clouds along it. Big billowing one. Absolutely lovely. And then straight into the Emerald Chamber, which like, I need to kind of go back over and compare them, but it's now really got a big TARDIS console, hasn't it? Around that shaft of light that the Emeralds are in. Was that always there? Well, they, they built a wall around it after Sonic mm. fell in that one. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, there didn't used to be a console. No. There. There was just a small, um, and it's a like a small wall, a little notch, and it's it's really involved. You've got these. He's really going to have panels. to go out of his way to fall in there now. <laughs> look at the look at the orbs. There's like a, a big ruby kind of ball in mm. it clasped by golden stuff as part of the controls. You imagine that's a big roller ball, and there's some kind of lens to look through, just hovering next to it. But then on either side, there's a yellow one on that side, a big huge purple one over there. I really want to go on this. This <laughs> a good TARDIS console should make you want a go on it. Is the thing. Yes, we're recording this just after one episode of the new revival of Doctor Who, but... <laughs> Making sure we finish recording this one in time for the next episode. It's on in a couple of hours. <laughs> anyway, so that's... A be my point is, beautiful first panel of the interior of this. And of course, the, the rocky stalagmites or stalactites, whichever one it is, hanging down from the ceiling. It's uh, stalactites. Ah. Because stalac C go from the ceiling and stalag g go from the ground that is the you are the second person i've ever heard say that the first was lauren the flute last week doing a stream of disco elysium and uh, when she was trying when she she'd heard an english person say stalactites and she was like is that how they pronounce that it's not stalactite and then it got into the whole thing and i just then i was struggling to remember that but you're right there with it <laughs> well i can just tell you i did not watch that stream no. i don't know where i picked that up from but i've known that most of my life i feel yeah yeah <laughs> stalagmites and stalactites <laughs> you got to have, have a system, system. <laughs> anyway <laughs> It's like remembering which is the x-axis and the y-axis. Oh, how? My maths teacher taught me in primary yeah. school. I think we're genuinely going back that far. Like maybe maybe primary four. Mm -hmm. X is across. Oh. And Y is up. Oh. <laughs> That's so good. Isn't it? I've never forgotten it. That is a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Right, anyway, Knuckles. So Knuckles goes off to see what Porker's doing, if he's getting anywhere. Because he he's realised, listen, I'm trying to look... He, he, bless him, he's just not clever enough. It's beyond me. I'm never going to understand how it works. He's not a brains man, Knuckles. He's a thoughtful man. He's a wise man, but he's not a brains man. So he needs to go and... can't figure this out by himself. So he goes off to find Porker. And that's why it feels okay that it's not all solved and fixed after 20 issues. Exactly! That felt like an ending... But it's okay that this is just now Knuckles' status quo. Is he's in a perpetual state of having to try and fix the place up. This is going to be a years-long job. Yeah. I like to think, incidentally, having now pointed out the discontinuity of there being a big TARDIS console around the the Emerald 
whole, well, I say discontinuity, but obviously it's not a discontinuity at all. They've just spent 20 issues, 9, 10 months, trying to rebuild, refurbish, and reconstruct the ancient yeah. technology. They've built that. Yeah, they've got all the Lego bits everywhere, and they've just been clicking them together. That's what yeah. they've been following with following the instructions. The problem is, it's on a CD-ROM, so you have to keep going over to the computer and back. We have to build the computer first to put a CD in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, he goes to help Porker, and he sees Porker is working with... Uh, a big stone ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, just, he, Knuckles recognizes it immediately, tries to get him away from it, but mm. Porker, oh, Porker! He bumps <laughs> a button with his elbow. I've seen one of these before, way back in issue number 53. Mm. A dimensional gateway to the special zone. And then they go, <laughs> just the same way Knuckles was uh, sucked in in the original yeah. uh, Chaotic story. They spaghettified. Really good drawing of them getting. Yeah, exactly. Spaghettified. Great drawing of that. I suppose I'm a little bit bothered by how sinewy Porker's arm is coming out, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they end up at the other end, which appears to be a, a, a permanent fixture. It seems, you know, like it's. It's just there. Well, in the same way that it's just there on their end, too. Yeah. So it's not like Mobius rings, though. It's that you have to build these. Yeah, they don't manifest. Yeah, they're, they're fixed points. In fact. I quite like the idea that this is a single linear progression through technology. They first had these ancient stone rings that you have to build one on either end, and then they're like, wait, if we make it out of this magic Mobian gold or special zone Ooh, gold. Well, no, here's one for you. The Dracons had Mobius rings, and these stone jobs are the echidnas attempt to emulate Dracon oh! technology. How'd you like that? Ooh, I like it a lot. I you like that. Oh, Reeves thigh rub. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do we think then, so did the Dracons make the rings, the little rings? Like, I know they're not a big part of this comic, really, Ooh, but. Well, good question. I wonder what they were for. Anyway. Currency. Yeah. <laughs> what a lovely currency. I want rings to be our currency. Somebody do that. Somebody change our currency. Well, don't worry. The apocalypse will happen soon, and we'll be back to trading shiny round things. There you go. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, yeah, we'll make him rings there. Because then you could put, you could have, you could as many as you can fit on your fingers. That's how rich you are. So the richest people, the upper classes, will be the people with the longest fingers. <laughs> Sorry, that was just so unsettling. <laughs> these upper classes bred to have these mad long fingers salad fingers <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway the ring anyway. spits them out at the bottom of a river in yes. new tech city specifically the east river from new york but it's east oh yeah <laughs> new tech <laughs> didn't pick up on that yeah it's a real river i know that cause of mario the movie we have previously established new tech city is marvel new york so <laughs> yeah. anyway porker doesn't uh Maybe Porker can't swim. I don't know. But Knuckles has to grab him and pull him up to the the surface of the river. Why would he be able to swim? It just seems like something Porker wouldn't be able to do, you know? Can Uh, pigs swim? Can hedgehogs? No. And Sonic can't, so... Can't hedgehogs swim? I don't know if this is a true fact. I don't know. (laughs) I I have no idea whether hedgehogs can swim. Both hedgehogs and pigs are... Excellent swimmers. Anyway, they pop out of the river next to this old fella who is <laughs> just fishing, just like you've seen in every film yeah. set in New York, sitting on the end of a pier fishing whenever the supervillain walks out of the water up onto the beach. Kind of cold to be swimming in the river, ain't it, youngins? And Porker replies, I'm not doing this for fun, mister. It just so happened the portal came out of the bottom of the flipping river. 
He's got. He's really got the hump on, hasn't he? Look at him. Yeah, he did not. Not having a good day. <laughs> Booker's been. Booker has had an all right time of it the last couple of months. Yeah. Just sitting quietly. Yeah. Studying. Basically alone on an island. Yeah. Studying and working with technology, and then suddenly, boom! Dimensionally teleported to a watery grave. Yeah. God, it's just bloody typical, isn't it? Flipping typical. He's got the ADHD rage. He was completely in the zone studying that ancient language, <laughs> and then Knuckles flipping interrupted him. And it's, and now he's all this is happening, and all this. <laughs> uh, Knuckles suggests they just swim back down and go through the ring again, and Porker's like, forget it. I nearly <laughs> just drowned. I'd never make it back. And then as they walk off, the old guy just says to himself, scared all the fish away. Kids today ain't got no consideration. I like that Porker has like, Turned a corner in his life where as soon as he doesn't like a situation, he leaves it. Nope. <laughs> you can just leave. If yeah. it sucks, hit the bricks. Once you've mustered up enough courage to do that to Sonic, you can do it to a fisherman. You can do it to Knuckles. Just go. Uh, then we cut away to the Chaotix, who are dealing with yes. the zombie brother. Because it's the special zone. It's like Kitching hasn't just brought them to the special zone for nothing. Mm-hmm. So obviously... And also, it's a Knuckles story. Of course, there's the Chaotix in it. Yes. That's where the Chaotix should Absolutely be. Absolutely. They've been hanging out with Sonic for too long. Mm. The Chaotix are Knuckles characters. Knuckles Chaotix. So here they're fighting an, a perpetually upside-down man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a, a, a Solomon Grundy-looking type guy. That's DC Comics supervillain Solomon Grundy. Not the children's nursery rhyme you were thinking of, Dave. For which the DC supervillain is named. But it is a large muscular albino in ragged black clothing who Mighty and SBO are just punching around. Yes, it's alright. I'm vaguely aware. I think he must be in the Arkham games in some small capacity, a, a fact file or something. I can't remember. I think I, I feel like I remember reading the poem in there, but um, I wouldn't know what he looks like, and this is what he looks like, is it? A bit less hair, but yeah. Mm. It's a funny design, and very odd. They take him down in two panels. I love this uh, exchange between Mighty and Espio, because we've joked before about how Espio has no real personality, <laughs> and the only thing he ever seems to do is like bicker and argue with his teammates. And I feel like Kitching is, is actually do, he's, he's honed in on that mm-hmm. now, uh, because what we get is he's doing his spinning top attack, which we've seen him use in STC before, which is his mm. move out of the game. And he says, You see, Mighty... If I use my spinning power, I can hit just as hard as you. In your dreams, SBO. Okay, let's ask him. And they go over <laughs> to the barely conscious zombie brother and go, You're joking, right? This guy doesn't even know what day it is. Uh, look, could you settle an argument for us, pal? Who hit you the hardest? Me or Mighty? Uh, uh, <laughs> you see? What? He said, uh, <laughs> I love that. Okay, well, I'll admit he mumbled a bit, but he was obviously trying to say Espio. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's really funny. That is... Yeah. The dialogue is on point here. There's a conversational, personal tone to the dialogue in this and in the Sonic strip. Yeah. That, that just is indicative of how far we've come and how much... How much more I feel like character is being foregrounded in these interactions than it used to be. Speaking of on point, uh, Dobbin's giving Mighty his big pointy nose. He is, actually, isn't nice he? To yeah. see. Look at Vector leaning against the police van. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Doing the Sonic pose, leaning well, with yeah. one foot over the other and the other hand on the hip. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, I just really enjoyed that. You know, because yeah. as I say, we've joked in the past about Espio having no personality and just being the other one, mm. but it uh, feels like they found something for him here, and I, I really enjoyed it, yeah. This is great. And it's another example, like the Sonic strip, where it doesn't really matter to this story what this fight is what's going on in it this is true again yes it's just some character work and we like that i have a suspicion that this strip 
might actually be a Porker Lewis strip. Mm. In the same way as the, the, we'll come to it in a few minutes, the Emmy and Techno strip, where in past years that would have just been Sonic's world and just been about short fuse. Yeah. For some reason, Sonic's world almost doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Now it's Sonic's world, Amy and Techno. Yeah. And stuff is done under that banner, but it results in Amy and Techno not having a lot to do in their own stories. Mm. This kind of feels to me, and you know, I'll be perfectly happy to be proven wrong, but it does feel to me like maybe we what we have here is an idea for a strip about Porker Lewis yeah. that has sort of been grandfathered in as a knuckle strip because that's who Porker is hanging out with. That's where he is. and it, Yeah, and because we haven't seen Knuckles or the Floating Island for so long, it kind of had to be to return to that stuff at all. Mm. And if the special zone is going to be important to it, obviously using the floating island technology to get here is that we'll yeah. see we'll see exactly what role the chaotix have to play in it, but it's just it's just a grab bag of associated stuff mm, yeah. that I'm just happy to see again in this context. So I'm really looking forward to the next episode of this. But I will say that the, mm. we now cut to the final scene, which is the bit where there's Porker hot wiring the phone and he gets caught, and that's Oscar the pig. Porker has a little tool belt, now, yes. by the way. This is his yes. thing. He's got all these gadgets and gizmos hanging from clips on his belt because he was he was in the middle of work. <laughs> you know, I don't that's imagine right. he wears this out, but he was in the middle of, of Wait work. Wait a minute. So he's got all his Wait tools a running. minute. He's got his tools. He's gone through a portal. He's ended up in the East River. This is an adaptation of the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm uh, my little hesitation for the next episode is mistaken identity stories. I usually find them pretty boring, pretty frustrating. Well, as I'm always saying, I don't remember much, mm. if anything, but I will say I do remember exactly one data point about this story, <laughs> however many parts it is, I uh -huh. don't know. And that one data point is the thing that makes this interesting. Okay. <laughs> so I can I can rest assured. So, that's a bit vague for the audience at home, but they all uh, know it's only me who doesn't. That's true, actually. <laughs> Just a mad bird. Just a they haven't gone in quite as hard on this version of the compo, have they? <laughs> yes. Do you remember, listeners, the last time we had a Sunpat competition to win a giant bike? They said some facts about peanut butter, and then they rephrased those same facts about peanut butter in the form of questions. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That one at least was a full page, though. Yes. This is a half page. Just half compo. and half. So they've had to they've had to cut down the compo as well, haven't they? Nutty facts. Utterly nutty. Sun pat peanut butter has no butter in it at all. It's ninety three percent peanuts. We know. We remember. Just one sun pat peanut butter sandwich gives you enough energy for, an for hour, one yeah. hour cycling or half an hour swimming. Oh, I think the fact about the swimming is new. I don't think they told us that last time. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And then the quiz is, uh, which they do admit is easy. Yes. It says, enter this easy energy quiz from Sun Pat Peanut Butter to win your own set of wicked wheels. The question is, it's a single question. Sun Pat Peanut Butter contains 5% peanuts, 50% peanuts, or 93% peanuts. I will give them that they've done a, a, a more interesting job of the design this time. It's all exploding yes, out from central points. Before, wasn't it? Yeah, there's all some somehow they've made a couple of sunpat jars and some facts explode out of a, <laughs> a bike wheel. It's quite good. Do you know? Reading over this, though, made me realise something about myself that I don't think you... Uh, this had better not be about how and where you like to spread what on what again, it is I not. swear to God. I swear okay. it isn't. No, you. but you won't find this surprising. Um, it's because I was reading the small print, and it says, Entries must be sent in no later than the 18th of March, 1998. 
And what I discovered reading that is that I don't think of that date as being in the past. Like, <laughs> as we've been doing this comic, you know, 1993, nostalgic. 1994, nostalgic. Five, six. 1998, that's just now. That's just normal to me. You that's just a normal didn't year. Move past 1998 <laughs> in your life. Ev- evidently, that's where I sit. And I think it's because. There, no, I, I do get you. <laughs> I, I do understand. You mean it. The sad thing is that I know you mean that a lot more literally than the laughs you're injecting into your words <laughs> implies. Uh-huh. But. There is a point, like 1998 is only a few years before the 2000s start, and we're in the 2000s now. Yeah. You know, that's where we are now. The last 20 years might as well be the last five years. Exactly. So this is, at most, March 1998 is just a little while ago. Genuinely, yeah. In the collapse of history, you know. Because I've been an adult, more or less, ever since then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not, I mean, we're not there no, yet. I mean, but... 98, you were 16. Yeah, but when you're 16, you reckon you're a grown-up, don't you? Yeah, but then you become a grown-up and realise you weren't. <laughs> but you, when you're 14, you reckon you're a kid. 16, you reckon you're an adult. And I only reckon I'm an adult now. It's not like I've really progressed. <laughs> anyway, the other half of the page is saying, does your TV get goosebumps every day at 5pm? Yes, it's another Fox Kids advert, an advert for the Goosebumps TV show. Now, I would wager you probably didn't have much exposure to the Goosebumps TV show. Never saw it, never read it. No. Nope. Oh, well. Past my time. I, I mean, it <laughs> definitely wasn't. <laughs> I'm 15. I'm a grown-up. I'm nearly 16 years old. See, that's, you know, you know that's interesting. Uh-huh. Because I never hit a point in my life mm-hmm. where I went through that time to put away childish thing. Yes, I didn't attitude. think I did. But you clearly did. The diary zone is making it nakedly obvious that you did. Uh, most things. You'd still write a Disney musical every now and again then and draw a smurf. That's the thing. What I was doing, I was, I was in a sense, clinging to childhood, but I was doing that literally but, but by clinging to the specific things. You, yes, very literally clinging to things from your specific yeah. childhood that were old then yeah. and rejecting anything of the young that was new. Yeah. Whereas I never went through that. I would happily consume new mm. cartoons that were being put out on television now. now I, mm. th- and that's the kind of the funny thing is that... Because I did see Goosebumps, which yeah. is, I realise, upon reflection... Odd for me, not because of my age, but because I had so little time for live-action children's television. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Even as a child. Yeah. That's why I have so little tolerance for adults who still want to talk about Sam and Cat and iCarly and things, because (laughs) these were all bad. But Goosebumps kind of... It's in the vein of a couple of things that were good, like... Round the twist, Eerie Indiana. Did you ever? Did you have time for any of that? Yes, that, yes. That, that t- maybe it was solely the spooky aspect of it. Maybe that's the one yeah. live action kids TV thing that I would truly have uh, have time for was ghost stories. Mm, yeah, yeah. It kind of suits that, doesn't it? And uh, I, I mean, the books definitely were aimed, obviously, for a younger yeah. audience than I would have been. Um, well, this this feels this feels like a little late for what I'm talking about because my younger brother he would get a couple of goosebumps out of the library when we would go away on go on holiday. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Those. I don't remember how I got into the habit of it or whatever, but once he would uh, read them, the thing about a goosebumps was uh, that was perfect. I could read that in an hour. Yeah, I could sit down, just lie out in the sun mm. in the morning, read that for an hour, have a wee swim, time for lunch. You know, we should do that this summer. <laughs> that sounds like a good just time. Get a goosebumps out of the library and, and go away somewhere <laughs> yeah. and lie out in the sun and read a goosebump. <laughs> 
<laughs> we go away on a goosebump sabbatical and we come back full on goosebump heads. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a Goosebump head, but I have checked out that new Goosebump show that's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, it's a new one. Yes, don't. <laughs> I was really surprised to discover that it is Goosebumps by way of the CW, Goosebumps by way of Riverdale. Oh. Not an anthology of separate standalone stories done in a single episode, but basically taking the iconography of Goosebumps, mm. famous monsters and items and, and haunted objects, mm-hmm. and plonking them into an original children discover the dark secret lurking at the heart of our town that our parents did 30 years ago right. story. So don't bother. Uh, mind you, that's only what Round the Twist was. Well, Round the Twist wasn't about a dark secret lurking at the heart of a small town that your parents were responsible for hiding from. No, okay, but it did take short horror stories for children that yes. already existed in print and put them in a single continuity with a single set. Oh yeah, single set of characters. Diary I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. Welcome to the se- <laughs> welcome to the section of the podcast where I take you back to my you own younger to, self. The way that word caught in your throat, I thought you were going to say "Welcome to the sexy zone." <laughs> welcome to the sexiest part of the podcast where I take. Oh, is Echo here? <laughs> Where I throw open my old diary to take you back into the 90s and, I don't know, give you a sense of, well, it used to be what it was like to be a Sonic fan in those days. There's still a bit of that. This is what it was like to be a Sonic fan on the internet. Yeah, that's the thing. And the Sonic fan who started with STC at the appropriate age. That's the real historical relevance we have found Mm. in this past year. And we start... With that, because... Oh, dear. So this is my real diary, everybody, from the two weeks that this issue came out. And we start on Wednesday, the 14th of January, 1998, at 11.19pm, where I say, Well, today, I did loads of Mobius series stuff. Writing fanfics, everybody. Mobius. Oh, of course. And of and secrets of. Yes, remember, I'm turning it into a series of novels, which I do not write. Uh, there's only end of and secrets of. I planned loads of Shadows of Mobius. Wish, oh, God. Wish I could remember what that is. Did some Sonic 1 script and got two new pads, the first of which will begin with the script version of Secrets of Mobius, because I'm going to turn that into a graphic novel. That'd be good, wouldn't it? We're all looking forward to reading that graphic novel. And then uh, this entry ends. You'll like this. Now I want to read STC 121. Go away! (laughs) Thursday the 15th, 11.14pm. The plan. <laughs> do you remember oh, I've been seeding this? Oh, the plan. I do remember the plan. The, the plan. plan to woo. <laughs> we think. Fuck we think. Sake. We think that's the best guess. Yes, we, it hasn't been admitted yet in, in words. Haven't revealed yeah. what it is, but I I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my memory. Can I do it? Will it make everything better or worse? Oh, boy. Will it work? I hope so. And it should happen on Saturday. <laughs> Well, I'm setting out a timetable here. Well, let's see what happens on Saturday. Friday the 16th. Absolutely shitting bricks. The plan, the plan is tomorrow. Do you know, actually no, uh, I'm fully distracted because you remember that for Christmas I got myself a new hi-fi. 
I knew it was going to be like fully distracted because the Smurfs brought out a new CD or something. Might as well be. Might as well be. I'm listening for the first time to some late night phone-in thing on Radio 106. And it's hilarious. He's making everyone who phones in tell him where the wildest place they did the wild thing was. And now they're having a pointless made-up-on-the-spot phone-in about what the woman's name in the fastest milkman in the West was. <laughs> Mad! I remember this, Chris. Really, really keenly this was the mark keen show edible 1591061106 put your finger in the dial talk to keeny for a little while if you're gonna come on and be stupid then all the better because i like people like you for breakfast <laughs> 11 15 lean and mean this is mark keen do this call mark keen on radio 106 fm 0115910606 We've got Crazy Baby coming up soon, but first, here's Sophie. Hello, Mark. Sophie and Lester. That's right. So, if it could be one temperature every day all year round, what would you want it to be? About 78. 78? Yeah. OK. Uh, Daily Dilemma, £500 fine or three days in the nick? Uh, well, I can't afford a £500 fine, so it'd have to be... Well, say you could. Say you had £500 in your holiday fund. I suppose I'd pay the fine if I had the money, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, OK. And uh, as someone who is about to give birth to your fourth child... Yes. Do you think it's possible to rehabilitate paedophiles back in society? This guy, I loved this guy. He had he had just all these regular phone-in guests, and they were just, you know, normal people from the Nottingham area, but, like, they sort of built up a rapport with the listeners. Some of them had gimmicks and stuff. And they would call in, and it was, it was just it was just something to have on in the background. People were like, oh, it's, it's Paul, Paulie, Paul, 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 Paul. Hi again, Paul. Thanks for calling in. What are you up to this week? Oh, well, I've been down the tip. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. And you, Love to the family, mate. Yeah, and you catch up with their lives. Well, anyway, Saturday the 17th, Saturday, it's time for the plan. Oh, the plan. Can't think straight. I can't really do anything except experience abnormally excessive bursts of emotion. Massive chat with Abby today. Told her the plot of Secrets of Mobius. (laughs) And basically all of Shadows. And she was completely blown away by it all. That's one way to describe it. (laughs) As for the plan... I couldn't. Maybe another time. Bottled it. Knew you'd bottle it. Bottled it. Absolutely bottled it. Told her the story of Sonic the Hedgehog instead. <laughs> <laughs> Little did he know the same effect was achieved. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Sunday the 18th. Who is this Selena person? Do you remember Selena? Friend of the Selena, show, Selena? friend of the show for Selena <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Selena who went to the live thing and heard the child say... Uh, yeah, Carl Flint. That's, that's my, my man. man. Yeah. She's been on before, listeners. Uh, evidently, this is the day Won we... contests we've... and things. She's had yeah. a regular presence on the show. Evidently, this is the first day we met. Who is this Selena person? Whoever she is, she's 15 and is STC mad. Madder than me and Abby. She's met Nigel and Richard. Oh, because she went to the... She's got loads of scanned stuff, etc. Don't know what that means. Scanned stuff. <laughs> but who is she? Hmm. <laughs> Mysterious figure looming on the horizon, Selena. Uh, got the 30 stars in Mario 64 and got to the next batch of levels after kableffing Bowser's bottom. Kableffing? Uh, Monday the 19th. 12 a.m. Tuesday morning. Ah! Whew! Did it! 12 midnight exactly. <laughs> I've been sat there with my pen, poised, getting ready. 12 midnight! Go! Scribble, scribble, scribble. And here sitteth I at my desk, listening to Radio 106 after being able to get it when Dad bought me a new triple aerial thingy recently. 
Before that time, I was a pet of my master Yoshi. No, wait, sorry. Before that time, I could get Radio 4 well, Radio 1 badly, and Trent FM worse. And now I get it all. 106. It's hilarious at night. I wasn't much of a radio listener at all, but mm. I did whenever I was in uh, post-secondary education mm. and we did listen to the radio because I did art. Mm. Uh, we would listen to the radio during that. So I got very into Mark and Lard at the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, same. They were on... Were they? When were they? Were they like the afternoon? Well, that, that's like 2001 I'm talking about. Oh, right. And they were, that was mid-afternoon on radio. Yeah, I, I think they were in there early because... Do you remember I've just had this little phase where I was waiting for mum in the car and so I was. Mm. that's when I was listening to the radio. And then just after that, I think I start walking sometimes to and from school with the radio on in my ears and my Walkman because I had a radio on that. Mm. And now I've got one in my room where I can just like turn it on with a remote so wherever i am in the room it's not, it's not a big room but i can just turn it on and be like oh i'm listening to the radio now so yeah i'm getting into it wednesday the 21st here comes a very diary zone sentence so brace yourself for this oh nearly went out live on a u.s radio station in character as captain silly things but i had to revise for french no you didn't i it, none of that's true i have this memory that I was someone I was talking to on the internet was like a local radio guy, and it was probably local as in his his house and next door or something. I don't yeah. know, but he reckoned he had or or I, I don't know hospital radio or barracks radio. Goodness knows what he was, but he yes he claimed he had this radio show, and if I wanted to do a little bit, then I could, and I and I and I wrote a script and everything that was was going to have this character Captain City things, and that never happened. I don't know what that was about. Can't remember what was going on there. Thank God. Or who it was or anything. There'd be recordings of that now. People would be there dredging would. it up there to would. end your career. That's right, yeah. And I'd be like, you can't get me. That's been... What career? Uh, my career is posting that sort of thing on this podcast. <laughs> Friday, the 23rd. More or less made up my mind to stay on for A-level, for two Englishes and expressive arts. Oh, was that ever in doubt? I've never thought about it. It's, it constitutes thinking about the future and we've established we don't like doing that. Sure, sure, but then that would... Like, you got to choose not to. Mm. Therefore, I would assume it would be a given. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm at this point is where I'm learning that that's an option that school can end. Yeah. Although, remember, recently I was like, I've got to stay on until I'm at least 25 or something yes, like that. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> so I'm, I've made my mind to stay on at A-level for two Englishes and expressive arts. I guess that's what I'm talking about, is the actual uh, subject. Sure. Oh, okay. Well, it's the fact that you should be specifically choosing to stay I on. I know. Because honestly, that was never... The notion of that was not an option in our household. Maybe part of what I mean here is to stay on at my same school rather than cast about for somewhere else to go um so two things and then expressive arts which is drama so english english language and drama and frankly i can't wait and then now this is a little bit of awkward timing because it it falls you know right towards the end of a diary zone but at this point a new book begins oh here's the new book oh my and it means a new physical physical still physically writing these diaries remember folks but this i this is the last one from here, it, oh, go, it, no! goes, it goes digital. He said this. ironically, but oh yeah, no, it's not the last diary. <laughs> it's the last physical diary. Yeah, diary ninety eight two, uh, and then the subtitle if you count diary ninety seven three, which has some ninety eight in it. And uh, the what, what do you think, right, Chris? If you, right, Chris. Oh Christ! Here we go. I'm starting a new book. Can you possibly conceive of what I have written on the inside? What's the first thing I've put in the new diary? Because in the last one. It was a uh, cast of characters. 
I believe. There was a, there's a little caricature well, of all my friends. I was going to say a little drawing of yourself. Mm. But no, there's no, no art probably, involved. No art in, probably no. just a list of all your uh, online friends mm. then. Mm, yeah. It's not that, obviously. It's very close to that. Oh, what do you got there? Without any preamble whatsoever. In fact, I'll just, to, for, to, to prove it's true, I'll just let you read it. Oh, all right. <clears throat> People who must be told in the unlikely event of my day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, no, Diary 98. No, welcome to the new diary. <laughs> just Thinking just... about your mortality now, and I will just say I couldn't help but notice the top of that list uh-huh. was Abigail. Yes, and her, and her phone number and, uh, and the subtitle, and ask her to continue with our Sonic comics, if she can, until she can't be bothered anymore, obviously. <laughs> the STC mailing list is the next one. Oh no, it's not. It's Alessandro's mailing yeah. list. It's the Sonic mailing list. Mike... My friend, brackets so he can tell the others. There's his phone number there. And my school. And then under that it says, and of course, relatives. Of course. And basically anyone else you can think of. Wouldn't it be nice at <laughs> yeah. the age to be normal. of 40? No. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice at the age of 41 Yeah. to not still be thinking like that? <laughs> yeah. And yet, so uh, much of our lives is online now. Yeah. That whenever the dark thoughts come in, yeah, you do spend a moment wondering mm. how do we let the people yeah. that we only communicate with electronically how do, how do we let them know we're dead? Yeah. How would they find out? Would they find out, or would they think that I'd ghosted them or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who do you put that burden upon? Yeah. Oh, oh, I have a bit of a pain in my chest tonight. Should I yeah. write down my passcode to my computer on a yeah, piece of paper before I go to bed so that if I die when I'm asleep, someone can unlock it? Have you ever done that? I've never actually got far enough to do it, <laughs> but I have thought about it. Sonic the Hedgehog. Sunday the 25th of January. Welcome. And enter the centre of my Bulmer Diary adventure. Right, well, I'm Dave Bulmer, as you know. <laughs> Gotta introduce myself oh, to a new book. We, we get the introductory chapter, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Story so far, everybody. Right now, I go to blah, 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 school. As this idea other. that you are still writing this for the archaeologists. <laughs> I know. Some future generation will preserve it in a museum under a large marble statue of you, yeah. based on one of your own caricatures. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably what I am imagining, yeah. Um, certainly what I'm imagining. <laughs> right now I go to school as a year 11 student. After this year, I hope to stay on to the sixth form to do two English ears and expressive arts. People include Abigail, my best friend. Number one with the list again. Yep, she's right at the top. Well, what it says is, Abigail, my best friend, and secretly I'm dot dot dot. <laughs> oh, you left it there. Mm-hmm. Didn't take long, did it? Well, I don't know how long it took because my whole perception of time has been thrown out because I've forgotten how long the Foxy saga it has gone take on long. for. But Even that's, so, that's that, folks. I've told, I've written down. I'm in love with. Abby. Oh, you actually wrote the word? Or no, did you just write. No, it trails off. But I'm writing that to myself in in a secret code. Secretly, nobody I'm could in possibly <laughs> crack. <laughs> yeah. Long-time friend and really funny bloke who's worked with me on the end of Mobius. Long-time friend and really funny bloke. 
security officer, and rubbish thrower. Met him when we were babies, now one of main friends. Who started off annoying, became a friend. And is now a womanizing, girl stealing, two timing, huge headed, must be better, thinks he knows it all, but he doesn't, lying, over exaggerating, pervert! Still, still have any, still have any contact with, with him? What's happened to him? I don't, know, I don't know why I've fallen out with him all of a sudden. Then there's my cornflake family. <laughs> I think we learned that phrase in humanities. It's, it's ringing a very vague bell. What does it mean? It's just it, nuclear family. It's just like the cornflake family. I think it was. I think they used to use it because it's like the picture on the box of cornflakes. You know, right, the mum, right. the dad, the two kids, and a dog kind of thing. Speaking of my two cats and all my. Hundreds of other friends Aww. on the net or otherwise. <laughs> That's a pleasant over-exaggeration, isn't it? It's nice to think of yourself so highly. Uh, current writing projects, Mobius series. That's 12 graphic novels to be illustrated by Abby. Jesus wept on toast. <laughs> <laughs> he wept on his toast and he got it all soggy. It was all right. There was butter on there already. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just to add a little salty flavouring. Do, do you like to put butter on there? Do you put butter on Is it in the diary? Did you mention, like, you know, is that in the list of likes and dislikes? You know, you got to put the butter, butter on, on first before you put the peanut butter on. And Dizzy. And, of course, I have my plan. And if it works, with a capital P, you understand. And if it works... The, the plan, capital the plan. T, capital P. My yeah. plan. Well, you know where I've got that from. That's from Red Dwarf. Lister's plan was to ask Kachansky out and go and live on Fiji with a farm oh, and keep horses and horses. Know, but yeah, I remember that, but I wouldn't have made the connection, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that I did, but I think that's what it is. If it, if it works, then my life is going to be exactly as I want it from that day forth. And it's working, judging from yesterday's Chatterday session. <laughs> we've started calling we've started calling it Chatterday. Me and Abby are getting together on the internet on Saturday nights, and that is Chatterday. <laughs> and finally, Monday the here's another quite diary zone uh, sentence. To close us out. Yeah. Monday the twenty-sixth. Stuff as a subheading. Stuff. Can't think of anything, Misk. <laughs> Pin up. Look at that. There you go. That's a drawing. Of, uh, it's, it's one of the panels from a recent decap attack. It's the yep. one where Igor... The Monster Hunter story where Igor tore Chuck's coat off. Because he was in disguise, wasn't he? Background cropped out. Yeah. Just the figures of Chuck, Igor, and Head themselves there. Against some zigzags. Just pasted onto a sort of swirly, formless background. Yep. Decap attacks Chuck, Head, and Igor, it says there. But it is definitely something removed from context, and that's mm. very apparent from looking Incredibly back. apparent, yeah. That's enough of that. B B E E like a bird's B B prepared. <laughs> Written by Lou Stringer, art by Mick McMahon, and letters by Ellie Deville. Sonic looks on as con man Max Gamble unveils his newest product, a construction robot, which, of course, quickly malfunctions and goes on the rampage. Charmy B chooses this moment to pop in for a visit, and together he and Sonic smash the robot, and Charmy lobs its power core into the sky to explode harmlessly. Gamble tries to hide, but Charmy's non-stop diddly-doing is more than he can take, <laughs> and he begs Sonic to throw him in jail so he won't have to listen to it. Oh, you must feel like you have a lot in common with Sonic here after having listened to all of these <laughs> diary tones and <laughs> my non-stop diddly-doing. <laughs> no. 
I like Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Best bit of this one. Charmy, how did you get here? Well... Ah, uh, shut up, Charmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is um, odd that Charmy's here. Yeah, it is, actually, yeah. Why is Charmy here? Well, we never find out. No. He said, yeah, how did you get here from the special zone? Well, it's all a bit technical, but Vector... Say, but you're in the way. <laughs> well, there's no need to be rude. I, I mean, you're in the way. Move! Because <laughs> there's a hammer coming for him. Yeah, and it's like, it's like Stringer thought up the title first, honestly. Yeah. Uh- there are worse ways to do comics. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, he probably just wanted to do a story with Charmy because yeah. he hasn't really touched the character. Oh. It's unfortunate that it happens in the same issue where the Chaotix come back in the special zone. Uh, yeah, Lou's had that trouble before where he's earnestly come up with an idea for a story and then it's just scheduled wrong. Yeah, that's it's just scheduling. Yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah. but now that he's got Charmy, what he does with him is... Uh, it's nice. He's using the character that Charmy specifically has, that ridey-diddly-doo, chirpy annoyingness, yeah. to write a story that hinges completely on that. Yep. It's uh, it's no. I enjoyed this one. This was yeah. this was a lot of fun. You know, it was. It was like I'm, I'm I'm entering double Sonics with a bit of trepidation. Oh, yeah. But but um, no, this was a fun one. Honestly, yep. Max Gamble is trying to get investors visiting from the Eldorado Zone. Remember the Eldorado oh, yeah. Zone from the Fall of the Leaf. Oh, I missed that. They're from the Eldorado Zone. The zone of rich pricks. Yeah. <laughs> well, mind you, the rich pricks that they've got here are all Ebenezer Scrooge's guys well, yeah. in suits and top hats and canes. Not the same. It's a different kind of rich prick McMahon has drawn here. Yes. They've, they're all dressed like friggin' J.P. Morgan. But he's showing them this big construction robot, which is, of course... Mm-hmm. From the North. <laughs> like from the North. <laughs> With my hammer and shovel, I'll make you many a muckle, it says. Yeah. But then it malfunctions and it starts going and doing funny. It goes, boink, right, who wants a barn conversion? Do you know, there's a touch of the um, the Luddites in this, and I don't mean, you know, people who won't use an iPhone. I mean, the actual Luddites who were standing up against, like, they were standing up against the installation of machines in factories that take their jobs away. And I've recently yeah. been listening to a, what was it, a podcast about it. And um, and then I open this and here's that same story. Max Gamble is trying to get these rich investors to replace the workers with this. So the workers are annoyed. So I've been going hot and cold on McMahon, as, as you know. Yeah. Sometimes I'll enjoy what he's done in one issue and sometimes I'll really not enjoy it in another one. This is one of the ones where I really enjoy it. I mm. can I can put my finger slam straight down on why. Okay. It's how he's drawn Max Gamble. Uh, oh! He's a little guy. <laughs> he has drawn a sonic proportioned Max Gamble <laughs> with a big old head. And this is a problem STC has had in the yeah. past, which we've really, you know, seen in very full focus in very recent issues, where one artist will draw a character, they'll render it in their style, mm. and then when another artist has to draw the character, they wind up just sort of clumsily, awkwardly copy-pasting in that style. I'm thinking particularly here of when Carl Flint had to do that strip with Richard Elson-designed character mm. Wendy Wallace and Corona-designed character Roger Bodge, mm. and they looked like they'd wandered in from two separate universes. There was no attempt at like any kind of artistic or aesthetic unification at all there. And McMahon has done that to a greater extent than literally anyone has ever done in STC with his depiction of Gamble here. It's great. I love it. Also, look, an elephant Mobian. He's branching out. Yeah. You know, it's it's his Mobians 
are dreadfully ugly little things. <laughs> Hunchback, long-armed, knobbly goblins. But they still don't look hugely out of place next to Sonic in terms yeah. of like, just like forming a... Cr- in the way even... We love Elson, but Elson's Mobians are people with animal heads. And that does carry over to to Dobbin mm-hmm. and to Corona and to um, Mike Hadley. Um, but McMahon is drawing cartoon characters. <laughs> yeah, That's the thing. That's what he's doing. They might not be an exact or even good or even remotely close match for what we think of as the Sonic <laughs> style. Yeah, no. But the cartoonish aesthetic taken to them makes them feel more appropriate than a lot of the other STC Mobians do. And I think that he's really nailed it with Max Gamble. Mm-hmm. Look, look at him, that panel there of him raging where he says the robot wasn't supposed to short circuit until after I'd sold it. Mm-hmm. Great. Love it. Look at that little guy. I like him the best in the second to last panel in the entire comic where he's... He's just such a good little drawing of a little lizard thing. Yeah, I suppose it probably helps that Max Gamble is very distinguished as a particular kind of animal Uh, versus... And that's what's interesting about the elephant that you just pointed out, is that it's an elephant versus the floppy-eared goofies that (laughs) that so many other Mobians are under McMahon's (laughs) pen, where they have animal noses and ears sometimes, and that's about it. He's interested in making them funny, I think. Where yes, it, yes, like the other artists are trying to—I don't not 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 take them seriously the wrong way of putting it, but like make them the people who live here. Whereas he's going like, ah, look at these, look at these stupid little dogs, look at these stupid little cartoons, yeah. yeah. And and this just happens to be one where where it's God, I I genuinely love how he's. <laughs> do you remember how fucking hideous Max Gamble was? Yes. Oh my God. And Corona did a good job paring him down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did change how he looked a lot, and he made him look a lot more at home in the world of STC yeah. and how it usually renders Mobians. And McMahon has pushed that ten times further here. It looks great. And McMahon is drawing a lovely little Charmy. He is. That's another one he's really nailed. And it's only by putting those two things together that I've realised that Charmy's got a little Judge Dredd hat on, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a pilot's hat, but... but mm, mm. <laughs> and the robot, it almost swings its hammer at Charmy and Sonic, shoves him out of the way. It's just going, you got a bit of damp there, mate. <laughs> I like the cheeky way, by the way, that McMahon is drawing Charmy's see-through wings. He's literally just not colouring them in. <laughs> just drawing an outline, yeah. You, you can even see panel gutters through them and everything. There's no reality to them at all. It's <laughs> like, yeah, no, there you go. They're see-through. What do you want? Well, he's flying in from outside the panel, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and then Charmy actually genuinely helps as well. Yes. He grabs a pickaxe and hooks the... Well, I don't know if this is what Stringer was doing specifically, but it is like he's hooked the robot's builder's bum. Yes, it is like that. Yeah, he stuck it down his robot pants. Which holds the robot in place long enough for Sonic to smash it to bit. And as it dies, it goes, tea break. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's malfunctioning in the way of saying silly things, you see, everybody. Yes, and and raging around, smashing up stuff. Yes. But uh, the plutonium power core in its head is going to explode. So yippee biddly dee, just the job for me. (laughs) Charmy grabs it and flings it off into space. Not, well, not space. That's what I wanted to say. (laughs) He flings it into into the sky. Into the sky. sky. (laughs) Far enough that it explodes harmlessly in a great panel of Charmy's. Really good. Coming back down as the explosion goes off in the background. Now that, now that would make a pinup. That would make a pinup, yeah. Yippee yay yay! I saved the day. <laughs> and Sonic makes a little reference to how Charmy is secretly a prince in another yes. world as well. Yes, yes. Uh, I think the only time that comes back up. Yeah. Hard to believe this guy's secretly a prince. Look at this. 
<laughs> Good work, Charmy, but that creep Max Gamble's gone into hiding. Ooh, dimbly do! What a cock of a calamity! Yeah, and that's enough. Sonic's like, no, 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 Charmy. Sorry, I thought that was you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to gabble on like that? Oh, I don't have to. But I see it as my cutie duty as a buzzy bee. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I've been a little bit critical of when people kind of aren't using the same diddly-doos that Nigel does in mm -hmm. his charmies. And this was one of those for a while there. He's yes, just the, going, the, the rhythms are not quite the same. A cockaloo calamity Yeah, he's just kind of going, Oh, bimbly-boo, a dwiddly-dumbly-doo. And you're like, no, that that's like, that's some Tom Bombadil bullshit. Ye bibbly dee. That's not Nigel wouldn't write that, no. But then you get I see it as my cutie duty. That's actually quite good. <laughs> and it's the fact that Gamble then explodes out of a stack of boxes <laughs> in the corner going, Oh I can't stand it Oh lock me away. Sometimes it pays to be irritating. Exactly. The implication here is that he's always been putting it on. Doing it on he's always purpose. doing it to annoy everybody. He <laughs> loves annoying SPO, he loves annoying Sonic. And we're back to the relationship between us with the diary set. <laughs> <laughs> Seems you're not as dumb as you look. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Next issue, Teals stars in Recipe for Disaster. I was wondering if maybe this was going to kick off a couple of double Sonics where Charmy was just going to be hanging yeah. around because he is so so randomly here yeah but i think probably what what we're talking about is probably what it was is that stringer wanted to tell a story about charmy mm. and how that i feel like that gag is probably the genesis of it mm, yeah what if charmy's annoying babble made a guy surrender yeah yeah i think so he's because something that lou will sometimes do is like open up the series bible and go like right what have we got this character does this all right and he'll write a story about that and this is one of those and that makes it you know that's adjacent to from the games and we like that sort of thing it's from the comics <laughs> i had a surprising amount of fun with this one yeah it's good good one yeah. good issue this yeah Compo. score a hit with the hippest hedgehog <laughs> you're right there chris <laughs> fine how are you i don't want you to pop a hernia eating this hat <laughs> 30 Sonic baseball jackets must be won. Here's your chance to hit a home run in style thanks to those nice and sporty Sega Humes. STC has 30 Sonic baseball jackets up for grabs in this red hot combo for all fans of the cool blue one. Hmm. And uh, sadly, the only sizes available are medium and large. So they're a shipment of medium. Yeah, that's a step up. You know, they're yes. making it sound sadly. The, I mean, I suppose yeah. it is sad because so many of the people are kids, so they'll need small ones. But the fact that there are medium and they're not double XL like yeah. all, that everything's been before. Medium and large. But don't let this put you off entering. If you do win and the jacket's too big, keep it until you've grown into it. After all, style never dates, boomers. Do you know what? They're not wrong there. Like If, if it, you it, had that today, you would wear it. Yeah. yeah. How many people have we talked to who've said the same thing? That they were like, yeah, I'd wear that now. The way you win is you answer this question. What was the name of the recent chart-topping Sega Saturn release starring Sonic the Hedgehog? Feels unlikely, but okay. That's the question, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, the options are Sonic Boom, Sonic R, or Sonic Firestorm, but I want to know if it's a trick question. I know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did Sonic R really go in at number one on the Sega Saturn chart? Wouldn't it have been marvellous? Wouldn't it have been marvellous if, instead of just randomly picking the word Firestorm, they just randomly picked the word Superstars, or something like that? <laughs> just one that happened to it, because Sonic Boom is one. Yes, it is. But it's also, you know, something else instead well, yeah. as well. <laughs> That's yeah. how that's happened. Yes. <laughs>
Oh, that's how it is. You see. That's why the senders of the first 30 correct entries pulled from Megadroid's lunchbox Wait. after the date. We'll receive Update the, the spreadsheet. spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> they do want you to write alongside your name and your uh, sealed down empty envelope the size that you would prefer, but they cannot guarantee you'll get it. Well, we haven't got them, so evidently we didn't win this. If you did, boomers, write in. Well, uh, from that, let's go to another story about a character who's been trapped in the same suit of clothing for the last 30 years. Uh, yes! <laughs> Amy. Breakout, part two. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Andy Pritchett, colors by stunning Steve White, and letters by Gordon Robson. When Short Fuse, Amy and Techno confront the escaped Vermin the Cybernik in the Metropolis Zone, they discover that the villains become stronger than ever by absorbing electrical power. Shorty realizes there's only one way to stop him. He allows Vermin to absorb his power, knowing that in the process, he'll also unwittingly absorb the alien program that allows Shorty to remove his armor. Thus, Vermin is separated from his cybernic suit, allowing Shorty to destroy it. But after an all-too-brief taste of freedom, Shorty is now trapped within his own armor once again. Now, I will say... Yeah. Good. Enjoyed the strip? Yeah. Wind slightly taken out of it by the fact I predicted it with absolute 100% accuracy. Well, that is your own problem. What did it's, you That predict? is 100% a me problem. <laughs> and I slightly made it your problem by telling you it. <laughs> well, we theorized he might end up trapped in his suit by the end. Mm-hmm. I thought the reason exactly what it is turns out to be it ties neatly into the ongoing story. Well, I pr- no, I predicted that that was exactly what yeah. would happen. That, yeah. that, 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 so, not, to, bung it. not to take away any credit from yourself, Chris, of no. course, who correctly came up with this story 26 years later. But yes. <laughs> it ties neatly into the ongoing story. It logically makes sense, and it's genuinely an act of heroism. Well done, Lou. Good stuff. This is yeah. good. It's Happy good with this. Partner. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, brings Vermin's story to an end once yep. again. You know, a great, uh, just a nice little touch that's becoming recurring from Stringer, Metamorphia, Brutus, Vermin. These villains have starts, beginnings, and middles to their stories. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah, which is a loose Stringer trick. He does that so well, so often. And I don't think we started this series thinking that he always did. No, no, but he always does. He pulls it out every time. It's perfect. It stops these things from just feeling like part of the furniture. It means yeah. they have their own little stories that come yeah. to completion. And I mean, if there's one thing we know about Lou Stringer is that don't worry there'll be another good idea come along shortly good I thought you were going to say if there's one thing we know about Lou Stringer it's that he comes to completion (laughs) (laughs) except perhaps for Short Fuse who is condemned to the tragic life of the superhero yeah yeah, but yeah we may see an ending for that story but it wouldn't be right to make that a simple trilogy would it you've got to have that as an ongoing oh no that's his that's the end point of his story yeah gears down the line and just do that in three parts. And what a perfect superhero-style story this is. To have it look like the powers are over now. Oh no, we had to do a heroism, and now... Yeah, no, short fuse, no more! Yep, but now he's cursed once again because of a decision, a heroic decision he made. This, this is dead good. And of course, it's, it's the decision to destroy his arch enemy, his evil yes. counterpart, his venom. Yes. Like, that, that's what he gives it up for, you know? As I was saying earlier, though, once again, why is this an Amy and Techno strip? 
Oh, yes. They have no role to play in this. They stand mm. and watch as Short Fuse's story happens. Yes, that's true. And I'm not ble- I'm not calling Stringer out on no. this. It seems like some He's kind of right. editorial decision yeah. has been made where Sonic's world Amy and is, techno. is an Amy and Techno yeah. strip now, so they have to be in it. Yeah, what, uh, yes, although my objection would be that if it's called Sonic's World Amy and Techno, instead of being called Amy and Techno, why, why can't, can't we have Sonic's, Sonic's World, World Short Fuse? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the decision has obviously been made. Again, it feels like we haven't talked about it in a while, but this must surely be Deborah Tate wanting to like foreground Amy as a character and give her a bigger presence in the comic yeah. that Amy and Techno is, is like a locked-in strip yeah. now. So like it might drop out for an issue, but if it is, it's not replaced. It'll be replaced by a Tails or a yeah. Knuckles or a Double Sonic or something. But Sonic's world is now their thing, so anything Stringer wants to do has to be through the lens of these characters. That's a problem, I think, that the comic has ended up in. We have watched all of these things happen. We know why Sonic's world happened, and we know why Double Sonic happened. They just had some extra pages, and they wanted another Sonic strip. But we're now at this point where it's like, regular comics in this are Double Sonic and Sonic's world. And you don't need... You don't need those. No. No. You can have Sonic and Knuckles, 100%. You don't need... Tails and Double Sonic mm. and Sonic's World. Yeah. Any Tails story, any so- yeah, yeah, Double yeah. Sonic story can be folded under Sonic's World. But they've turned Sonic's World into Amy and Techno, and instead of just calling it Amy and Techno, yeah. and we, we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation yeah. if it was just called Amy and Techno. And I mean, look what's happened in this issue, where the title of the story is the big banner, and the thing that it is, like Double Sonic, you can barely even see that. It's just the name of the story, so just do that, guys. Oh, God, yeah. It's, it's, it's tiny font up in the corner. Tiny. So just, we know it's in Sonic's world, and we know it's Sonic and stuff. Just just give us a title. We're fine. It's all Sonic now. That's the thing. This only makes sense when we add Sega Superstars. And now, it don't need it. Very good point. Yeah, didn't think of it like that. But yeah, there, there's so little point to have this all Sonic. delineation, because the strips are all from Sonic's world. Yeah. That's why it was called Sonic's world at all. Yeah. Anyway, that's, I mean, if, that, if that's the biggest criticism we can <laughs> well, level this at is this it. set of five pages, you know. That's honestly the kind of the biggest criticism that I've had all issue. This is a good one, this. Yeah, it's a good issue. Just, uh, as, as I said, when I popped over the issue and looked over the control zone, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at these little bugs that, that vermin <laughs> swats away. Proper little oh, yeah. Andy Pritchett guys. Fools, you're no match for me. Oh, he's swatting us aside as if we were insects. Um, we are actually. Yes, these are little doozer ants that we've had before. Yeah. Well, the, the no, they're not. Doozer guys were uh, the guys you're thinking of. That's what the insectra. That's looked. right. Well, then that must be the Starfleet of these guys. Who these are just <laughs> these are just construction guy ones. Well, they, they were uh, an alien race from another dimension or something. Well, Remember, they've evidently seeded so. this galaxy at some point as well. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I like how like uh, Amy tries to say to Ver because because obviously Vermin's been offline mm. since the EMP, so uh, he's not up to speed. And, and Amy says, "Robotnik's not ruler of the world anymore. You don't have to follow his this orders." Is a good bit. And then he just punches Short Fuse and goes, "Maybe I'll go freelance." That's a really good bit for Lou to have put in because it does establish that yeah, this guy isn't just doing stuff for Robotnik. Just a nose. Admit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they remind us that Vermin's Tail does the computer virus injection thing. Yeah. But we also learn that it can absorb as well as inject. So, like, he, it's it's a big, like, hypodermic needle. Hypodermic needle. On the end. So he stabs it into a nearby mm. 
power generator that's powering the jackhammer. It's a violent USB lead, is what it is. (laughs) I like. Actually, I've just realized. Like, we see him swat the little ant construction workers aside because they're using a a jackhammer that's being powered by a little mobile generator, and that's what he stabs his tail into to get the uh, get the power boost. That's cool. I can absorb power through my tail as well. I'll be stronger than ever. And uh, Techno thinks maybe if you get back to the workshop, she can rig up a weapon to drain the power, but Short Fuse knows that he'll wreck the city in the time that'll take. There's only one option. So he lets Vermin stab him and absorb his power. Mm. And Vermin is just very alarmed as suddenly the suit opens up around him and Short Fuse gets the blaster right in his squishy organic face and says, step out of the suit, rat face. Let's see if that armor is as invincible on the inside. Kablamo! (laughs) Vermin just laps out of the suit and... um, and that's a nice little touch as well, because obviously, yes, the exterior is made of megatal, <laughs> but there's all got to be sensitive circuits inside. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. We're fully vulnerable inside, you know? And then, calling back to what I was saying in the earlier strip about Robotnik being this, like, lonely loser now, how I felt bad for this guy as he was running off, and he's obviously, now he's out of his suit, he obviously just looks like a, a random street criminal again. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I bet, I, I bet Dr. Robotnik will build me a new suit of armor. No, he won't, mate. No. He doesn't uh-huh. give a shit about you. And that's why he says in those words well i don't know he's in he is in need of a new henchman yes he might have a so, chance now well, maybe actually, yeah. i don't know that he could this is the question and we'll see as it goes but stc has and this is a weird thing that stc has done and it's not necessarily a good thing but it has put a lot of robotnik's technical achievements on grimer oh yeah so does robotnik oh yeah as kitching is currently writing him as he has come to depict him does Robotnik even possess yeah. the acumen yeah, to do yeah. that? We're talking about a version of Robotnik, and I never thought of this before. Like, we think of Robotnik as the mad tinkerer who makes robots mm. and stuff, but yeah. this is a Robotnik who had to hire a, an anonymous canary to make this stuff for him, to make this suit for him. So, yeah, can he make stuff? Don't know. Anyway, Amy punches Vermin, so that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> not Vermin in his suit, just Vermin. Nope, just he Vermin after he's got out, Amy in the face. punches him, then they tie him up. <laughs> Yeah. And they say, that's it, you sacrificed your armor release program. It was the only way, but it means I'm trapped in my armor again. And as he takes off into the sky, short fuse the cybernic lone sentinel, lone mm. superhero of yeah. Mobius, condemned to live a life yeah. trapped within his armor, etc., etc. Et Dramatic narration. And do you know what's the worst part about him getting trapped back in that armor? What's that? I don't think he ever had a bath. No, oh, I bet he squeezed one in. He went to a party. You'd like to think he washed before. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> As he flies off, Vermin says, I don't get it. If he wanted that release program so badly, why'd he just give it up to save a city full of people he hardly knows? And Amy says, Someone like you will never understand, Vermin. That's partly what being a hero is all about. And yeah, it is. Well done, Lou. This is a proper good <laughs> yep, little short view story, this. A little cybernic no more type story. Love it. Where, of course, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. You know? Yeah. Simple. Good for it. Next issue, Sonic, Amy, and Techno star in The Root of All Evil. Hmm. The Root of All Evil. Okay. Four very solid strips, this issue. Yeah. This has been a banger. And it's always a surprise to find a full-on banger of an issue in this era, even though we're finding loads of them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but, but... I've, like we have been re-energized yeah. but I just don't think we have fully like 100% shaken off the fear yeah. that suddenly it could all go away again Spines. 
First one here is called Mistaken Identity. It's been sent in by Neil Johnson from Kingston-upon-Thames in Surrey. Dear Megadroid, I know I'm a bit late, but I hope you had a great new year in the STC office. Also, please keep on bringing those cool Mick McMahon pictures into your Brill magazine. I also like the ones that Nigel Dobbin draws, especially the crisis in the chemical plant zone story. And I don't know if your alarm bells were ringing, but mine certainly were as I read that. <laughs> and Megadroid replies to say, Despite having to hold the clammy hands of the Humes during Isle Lang's sign, I somehow managed to have a good time. And by the way, Crisis Artist was Richard Elson. I found that really interesting, that instead of just correcting the letter and just printing it with the right name in there, it was just yeah. like, no, I'm going to show this kid up. Publicly shamed. Yeah. <laughs> dragged on me. <laughs> Pointed question, dear Megan. Quote retweeted into oblivion. <laughs> I'd like to know the reason why Knuckles has those strange points on the end of his gloves. Hmm. Yeah, why? What? What could those be? Why would Knuckles? Yeah, why right. Would Knuckles. What would Knuckles have, have be doing with points, points in the middle of his it? gloves, or where his fingers join his yeah. hand? What would those be for Knuckles? Mm-hmm. Um, and why he sometimes. Has a ring on his neck, asks Stephen Greenwell in West Bridgeford, Nottingham, enamel badge prize winner. And Megadroid replies that the red-dreaded one uses the points to help climb up walls, Stephen. Now, that's not the answer to the question. Yeah. That's not why he's got those. The answer is, there is knuckles. There is knuckles, is the answer. And he's, he has them because he's a burrowing animal. And that's the answer. As for the mysterious ring, well... You'll just have to walk... Megadroid writes, well, dunno, mate. (laughs) But he spells it, you'll just have to watch this space for further revelations. Almost sounds like they mixed it up with the actual ring involved in the Knuckles story, this issue, doesn't it? it does, yeah. No, but they didn't. I don't think they did, but it almost sounds like they did. Oh, God, imagine if it turned out to be one and he accidentally... Porker leans on him and his head disappears. (laughs) And then Knuckles is like... Both halves of him are Both sucked ends in, go in the middle. Like, and then he comes out the other side with an arse for a head. <laughs> and the last one here is typed Perilous Cheryl. Dear Megadroid, I think I may have gone over the top on Sonic and Tails. They seem to both be occupying my mind a lot these days. Mm. Tails because he's quite cute and can fly, but I like Sonic for his coolness and because I can relate to his attitude problem. He's unpredictable, like me. That's from Cheryl McMahon in Sutherland, Scotland. And Megadroid replies to that one, Very honest of you, Cheryl. Incidentally, if Tails ever forgot how to fly, (laughs) (laughs) he'd have... I don't know if Chris is going to be able to read this. It's so funny. An altitude problem! Oh my god! (laughs) Boom, boom! (laughs) All right. We've got a couple of drawings. Uh, you know, I think I might take the comedic wind out of these jokes sometime by performing <laughs> them the way I do. Yeah, we've got two drawings here. Both of them pretty good. Yeah. On the left, Sonic the Gnome. Love it. Or, as STC have captioned it, Gnome Malone. Yeah, they've even put or, because they just had a joke and they had to put it in. Yeah, because uh, the, the artists themselves, Lewis Dale from Kilmarnock, Ayrshire in Scotland, has captioned it Sonic the Gnome, because that, my friend, is exactly what it is. Yep. Sonic's a gnome, he's sitting on a little mushroom, he's got a little pointy gnome hat with a patch in it, he's got a little... Sitting on a mushroom? Yeah. There's a very specific what? word for the thing gnomes sit on, Dave, and it's a toadstool. Oh yeah, I, I do, <laughs> do apologise. You're absolutely 100% correct about that. <laughs> Americanism's creeping in here. Uh, 
is mushroom an Americanism? <laughs> I feel like toadstool is a Britishism. Mm. I don't know if that's true or not. It must be. Listen to it. Um, and he's got a fishing rod, and he's got a worm on the end of the hook, and there's a fish, and he's got a little spider dangling off one of his spikes. Out in the wilds. What's the little rainbow drizzle down his I side? I think he's of... got a scarf on. Look at the that's tassels exactly on the end of it. That's what it is. Yes, I see yeah. the tassels there. Got it. Got it in one. And the other one here is credited to Sarah Adamson, brackets, hello again. From Lanarkshire, Scotland. So, evidently, throwing Alison Headley and Lynn Triplett under the bus here, because uh, <laughs> we've never done that for them, this is evidently someone who's sent something in before. We don't know what. We've had several repeat mm, things that we've spotted. Leo Suarez, Perringer, Jessica, Jessica Padkin, Lynn Triplett, Alison Headley, but a uh, 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 little Rosie. <laughs> but, um, but no, Sarah Adamson, unfortunately. Robin with an I, not with a Y. That's another one. Uh, but um, short of going back through every single issue, yeah. we don't know what Sarah Adamson did. So if uh, mm. any of you have, can be bothered to do that, let mm. us know. <laughs> but it should be quite striking if it was a picture, because I find this quite yeah. striking. This is uh, it's uh, captioned by the editorial team, Amy and Techno, enter the sci-fi zone. And it is a big pose picture. Mm-hmm. Amy in particular has like... Her, her one foot so close to the camera that it looks like a hill she's standing on. I genuinely didn't even realize. Right, that. that's what it is, right? Just now. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's, it's her big boot. Such a power pose. She's got her jacket flapping open. Are they Spice Girls? They don't look like Spice Girls. They look like something. They they've got certain outfits on. The crop top thing that Techno's got going. You know, the fact that she's got this. Amy's got that jacket flapping open. There's, I don't know. This feels like it's from something. But anyway, whatever it is. I can believe it, definitely. They are not... They're not, they're not looking themselves. And above them is the spaceship. You know, the spaceship they were flying... The, the kind... The kind down. And gave them to go back that they went to Earth. And We've had it in a pin-up uh, a couple pin-up, of issues pin-up ago. pin-up, I think, is probably what's made it notable, yeah. And, um, yeah, that, and, and it's all very fancily pencil colored the background mm-hmm. there's all all sorts of different kinds of flame and swirl and smudge and splodge of background it's very good it's very yeah. oh and look at that little star trek in type alien popping out of a little crater there so they're on the moon as well that once again i couldn't quite figure out what that was i thought it was like an insect like a crab or something it probably is but those were legs but they are fingers yes. up over the lip of a of a so. crater that it's peeping its head out of yeah i think so i was having trouble getting to the bottom of this one mm. i was distracted by the name issue and I was also distracted by their big Great old big titties. boobs that they both have flapping around everywhere. Yeah, Sarah has embellished those, which is part of what makes me wonder if they're Referenced. some form of pop act that exists in real life and has been converted here into them. But it's been, either way, tremendous job been done there. Loads of effort put in, loads of details. Well done. Which SDC have ruined pretty severely by stretching it to <laughs> oblivion. Yeah. Worse than I've I've seen an example of them stretching anything in a in a good while. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Anything in our mind? We've got a mailbag as well. If you missed your chance... Sorry, that was an incredibly Coco the Monkey. Yeah! 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 Yeah, we got it in the mailbag! That's right, boomers! Yeah! If you've missed writing to STC 26 years ago, you've missed Speedlines, well, we've got a Speedlines now. Come on! Flip it right in! And Come on we... and slam! <laughs> and we... Welcome to the jam! Take Dave to the jam! Yeah. By writing to stctpodcast at googlemail.com, like... Jax did, or Jabberjax online, who says, 
Speedline, CO Megadroid, brackets if he still has a job. <laughs> we don't keep him employed around here. No, no, no. Dear Humes who think they're in charge, we can't afford him. I have to say, I'm envious. His rates went up severely. <laughs> you know what his worth now? That's the problem. Yeah, it's, it's he's £1.70 every fortnight now. Jesus. I have to say, I'm envious of Dave. Well, quite right. Should be. Uh, for maintaining such a clear picture of his childhood, despite being a fair bit older than me. I was born in 88, a millennial. Oh, that wasn't as bad as I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Still in the 80s. We're, if you were born in the 80s, we're the same age. Yeah, I've met people far more aggravatingly young than me. Um, my memory is shabby, and so are my records, even the comics, sigh. Though I still very much remember going, no, when my brother knocked at my bedroom door. Until I opened the door moments later and he greeted me with an issue of STC. No. I took it from him with unabashed glee and practically devoured it. But I've been distressed and sad because even though that's such a formative memory, I do not, for the life of me, yeah, this is my next question, remember what issue that was. Shame. Kidding. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> Even so, with gentle prodding from my partner to listen to the podcast... Oh! Oh, you pa- you've found yourself a good partner there. If, hey. it's, if you already had your own STC memories and your partner's the one prodding you to listen to this... Oh, hi, hello to partner. I've been able to remember some issues that are special to me, as well as appreciate the characters and personality that are particular to STC, including the side strips that I once turned my nose up at, because they weren't Sonic. Mm, same. Yeah. I've even taken to using the word Hume again. It's a great hey. word. I realise I still hold this series very dear, and listening to an account of what the 90s was like helps the odd memories to connect, as well as really comforting me through the despair of the present day. I'm looking forward to hearing more from you Humes. Jolly well, giving my regards. Jax, Jabba Jax Online. P.S. I'm writing to you from issue dash episode 69 and the hilarity Ooh. of the Robotnikers incident in Speedlines. Robotnikers. Was that the one? <laughs> this is my favourite picture anyone's ever, I don't know, drawn? Maybe? This would be the picture from Paul Barker from Barrow oh. and Furnace. This is a drawing that's been drawn, committed to paper, sent into speed lines, and then printed of Dr. Robotnik with his pants and trousers falling down. <laughs> <laughs> All it is. That's it. That's the high concept of this picture. Doctor Robotnik. He's standing there. His trousers and his pants separately have fallen down. That's that's the end of his career. (laughs) He's not coming back from this. He anytime he makes any statement, all the replies are just going to be like, "Oh, are your pants going to fall down about it?" (laughs) Now here's the thing: if someone nice's trousers fall down, that's not the end of their. Their whole deal. No, it's if someone's whole career is being nasty. If their trousers fall down and their pants fall down, that's all they're ever hearing about again. This is weird looking at the down... Paul Barker of Barrow in Furnace, Cumbria, has defeated Dr. Robotnik. (laughs) Soundly, (laughs) once and for all. And it's just the funniest... The I... What? That he thought of that. That he was like, I'm going to draw Dr. Robotnik with his pants and trousers falling down. He took that... To its conclusion, he put that in an envelope, he went to his parent or guardian and got them to give him a stamp, which he licked and put on an envelope, posted that off, it arrived in the offices of STC, and they printed it, they saw it, went, yes, yes please, that is the content we want in our magazine, and they printed it deliberately. I I love it. 
Uh, yep, that's the one. Dr. Robotnik drops another bloomer <laughs> and it's Robotnik's <laughs> Yep, it's just it. His, his pants and trousers have fallen down and I think he's done a fart because there's <laughs> that's a, right. a big green stink line behind that's him. That's right, he has trumped his pants off. Perfect. The funniest thing it's possible to draw, I think. <laughs> yes, I, I would agree. <laughs> and it's funny that it's so funny to draw uh-huh. when it's such an oral experience. The true comedy arises in the noise. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like even just in a visual depictment, someone farting so hard their pants and trousers fall down <laughs> is very funny. <laughs> I didn't even need the visual. Simply <laughs> describing <laughs> the act of drawing someone. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> We're very mature and serious <laughs> on this podcast. And they finish by saying, I listen to your podcast every morning without fail as a daily routine. We better do more episodes then, haven't we? Um, yeah, we'll get caught up soon. Oh, and according to my calculations, I will be caught up just before... The new year! Oh, welcome, Jabba Jacks! Hello! Hello! This could be your first live episode. Yeah. And then that would be the one that you also had your letter in. Oh, what timing would that be? That would be brilliant. I bet I bet Jax is so excited that they farted their pants and <laughs> trousers, trousers off. off. So excited, he burst right out of them. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that letter, because it, it is always nice to know that we're helping to reawaken those old memories and put you back in that place. Yeah. The 90s, man. Mm. Better off gone. <laughs> <laughs> and if you would like to join Jax in the mailbag, that is stctpodcast at gmail.com. And we accept emails, we accept audio, we accept video. Send drawings in. We'll we'll simply describe them as well as put them up on, <laughs> on the socials. We'll share them on the Twitter. Yeah, so anything you've got, drop it in our mailbag. And I reckon with that, we can drop this episode in the file marked complete. <laughs> is it the bin? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a little out tray on your very well organized desk. Yes, very well organized. Three separate bags, four separate bags. Of- <laughs> My three separate <laughs> bags of sweets that are open and unfinished include fruit pastels, Murray mints, all right, puppets. Here's what we've got: we've got some sour apples. <laughs> We've got some rosy apples. I'm an apple sweets man. I like an apple sweet. We've got a pack of imperial mints. Ugh. Little after dinner treat there. Not an uh, imperial mints, but an odd thing to have open at the same time as a bag of apple sweets to me. Yes. Because it, not it obviously in your context not odd at all. But to me, if a bag of sweets is open, it means I'm eating it. Right, and then you so it's all to me stop when it a bag of mints yeah, and yeah, a bag yeah. of apples. Open at the same time. A uh, posh tin of sour cherry drops from the services. <laughs> Ooh, the services! The motorway services on, on the, the way, way back, back from, from Thought, Thought Bubble, Bubble, I assume, yeah. Yep. And a single pack oh. of cherry pez. Oh, okay, that's not an open bag. Although, I have had those pezes on the go for so long that memorably I opened a pack uh, a couple of months ago and each pez was visibly covered in mold. <laughs> A thing that even I didn't know Pez could do. <laughs> How long can it possibly take you to eat Pez? Well, you can put an entire pack of Pez yeah, 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 in your yeah. mouth in one go. But of course, of course, I'm imagining you eating Just them. Just shoveling them down and down. And, lo- down and, and not down. loading them into the f***ing launcher. Oh god, of course I'm putting them in a Pez dispenser. Yes. You, you, you monster, you... Philistine. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Barbarian. Of course, I'm putting Never them in a pez dispenser. Not playing with. <laughs> but but the thing is, that's wrong. They are. They are for playing with. 
you know, it's not so much that. It's the very notion that you means you're only consuming one of them at a time. It's like yeah. eating one Tic Tac. Yeah. That's what I do with Tic Tacs. <laughs> <laughs> Handful. Right in there. And the thing is, I would eat more of them, but there is an amount of effort involved in putting them in the Pez dispenser yeah. that means that I do it rarely. Because what happens is, you un you carefully unpick the wrapper at both ends, you unroll it from the what is now a, you know, a stick of Pezzes, mm. you pinch them between finger and forefinger while fumbling to open the Pez dispenser, and at some point it goes wrong and they all ping everywhere and go all on the floor. In many ways, <laughs> Pez is the last thing you, David Bulmer, mm -hmm. should be eating. Why is that? Because it requires you to have that manual dexterity to safely <laughs> load the Pez dispenser. <laughs> Oh, cheers! You know? Right, right. Uh, right. So the definition of Dave is a Mr. Bean. That's it, yes. It's, yeah. it's not yeah. the manual dexterity aspect. It's, it's that the look. <laughs> given any opportunity for a Mr. Bean scenario yeah. to unfold, yeah. it will. Yes. And you are inviting that into your home yes. by willingly putting pears into a pears dispenser. That's absolutely true. But the thing is, the trouble is... It's like putting on a blindfold and like walking into a construction site. <laughs> What? I do that every day on my way to work. <laughs> um, thing is, my school got the projector out and played Santa Claus the movie, and I had some pears that night, so I'm, I'm doomed to always eat pears forever. Right. Lovely day. <laughs> Not disputing that it is a lovely day, <laughs> but pears is just chalk. Lovely chalk. That's the thing about shoveling a load of pears into your mouth, is that you, would, you actually wouldn't eat pears without the dispenser at all, because pears isn't very nice. It is! It is, it's cherry flavour, Chris. Who can ask for sure, anything sure, no, more? Whatever. It's not, a, it's not <laughs> even a flavour question thing. It says cherry on the stick, maybe. <laughs> I won't dispute that it claims to be cherry flavour. <laughs> but nobody actually, like... You don't just shovel pears in. You just... Yeah. You could only be bothered eating one at a time. Yeah. What would you... If you if you ate a whole pack of pears, you'd have a mouth full of, like, hard... Chalk, chalk be dust. really weird. Yeah. Wouldn't be right at all. No. So I guess my question is why? <laughs> <laughs> and you can ask yourselves that in the next episode of SCTP, which comes out on work. <laughs> For God's sake, Dave, use your head! Get a subscription to Sonic the Comic 26 issues for the price of 24. That's what's in the inside back yes. cover of this issue with the two free Sega World entry vouchers just above that. Yes. Um, but uh, the actual next issue page is the page before that. And it yes. says it clears up the mystery from the control zone that you've all been on tenterhooks about ever since the start of the episode. What is the first free gift? And I did not realise it was this because I just took this to be completely ordinary. Yeah. It's a poster. It's a poster. It's a poster. Free Sonic poster. And they've said poster, not pinup. So it means that it's not in the comic. It's going to be like with the comic or something. It must have been bagged with mm. it. Yeah. We shall see, won't we? Um, but they're not showing us what it is. Normally, they'll just show you either the poster or a bit of it. But in this case, they've mocked up something else completely different. It says, uh, meanwhile, here's the test card. Yeah. And what they've done is, it's the Sonic 3D head cover yeah. on a static background. As in, a background of television-style static. TV static, that is, yes. With little uh, coloured bars down the side and the message, Watch this space, written across the bottom. And under the word this is evidence of, of something. There's a darker black making the, yes. the letters SR, I think. So, what, Sonic R? 
No, no, I don't know. It's not the Sonic I, R logo. I, no, it's not. That's what I'm yeah, it, it, it might just be a scribble. Might not it be might SR, not even yeah. be covering something up. Might just be a straight cock up. Um, I almost thought this was the poster for a moment, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, that. And what a strange poster that would have been, because it's even got. It is like a test card. It's got blocks of color down both sides. Yeah. Hume error zone. I can hear and now tell you, as a, as a month later fill in, uh-huh. that just a couple of episodes ago when we had that strip where Tails became a giant, (laughs) and we said, oh yeah, this happens in every cartoon. If you told me that there was an episode of the Adventures cartoon in which this happened, I'd absolutely believe you without checking it. Well, it turns out there only flipping was and all. It was called Two Tall Tall Tales. Tales. Of course it was called Two Tall Tales. I mean, that's a... I mean, I don't know why it wasn't ST- just called... The STC strip was called Tall Tall Tales, Tales. which is a better title. That's better, it should have been that. that. Two Tall Tales. That's nothing. It's like they didn't even realize the tall tales pun, yeah. and they just yeah, they just call. This isn't it one tale. of those things where in in America the phrase is two tall tales or something. No. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, just there you go. Thought you'd like to know that. There you go. <laughs> Next issue: two new stories: Double Sonic, Root of All Evil, and Tales Recipe for Disaster. He's gonna, there's going to be cooking mm. in it. Interesting. Actually, that's a Double Sonic that the Root of All Evil is not an Amy and Techno strip. Even though Amy and Techno are in it. Uh, Be interested uh to see what it actually winds up being labelled as. Yeah. You know they're in it? Why do you know they're in it? I mean, it was teased at the end of Amy and Techno. Yes, it said so in the next box. Yeah, but that might just... Sonic, Amy and Techno, starring the root of all evil. Okay, then. If that's really specific, they don't even normally bother with that, do they? That's what I'm saying. Mm. Plus, Sonic, Robotnik makes friends. Aww. Oh, I'm happy for him. He's so lonely. And Knuckles, no fun on the run. Me. And lots more. uh, Because they're on the pork. It's like being on the lamb. What is a different kind of meat? Let's see what you did there. That's STC 122 (laughs) on sale Wednesday, the 20th of January, 1998. Oh, my God. God, now, that's normal. today, that's now. £1.25. <laughs> you try buying a comic for £1.25 <laughs> now, mate. <laughs> oh, what a cracking issue that was. That was lovely, wasn't it? With that one. Yeah. yeah. Look forward to the next. I'm, I'm glad I'm in a point now where I'm like, oh, I'm really looking forward to the next know, yeah, issue yeah. of Sonic the Comic, yeah? Yeah. Really enjoying it while it's happening, you know? Yeah. I'm really, I'm really present. I'm really mm, immersed mm, in mm. it right now, you know? If you'd like to immerse yourself in the next issue, you can find it at stctp.zone or most places good podcasts are available. And you can follow the podcast on the socials. It's at Sonic Podcast here, here and thither and yither and yether. It's uh, at Sonic Podcast on Twitter, and you'll find it there on that name, I think, in Blue Sky. And look, look for us, look for us. You'll find it. You We're just on type the, it into Google. Really. You'll find it. We're on the socials ourselves. Oh, and you can go to the website, which we'll tell you in a minute, and you can find the links to this. We're on the socials just as well. Just did tell them the Just website. did. He's just told you the website, so you can go and find all the links to us there. You can tell we're at the end of the recording. And we've got, do you know about this yet? We've got our own Mastodon instance. So if you're all like, oh, I should try Mastodon but I don't know about instances and how to do that. Just go to speedlines.stcdp.zone and that the whole process is just streamlined and sorted out for you. So go over there. Uh, we or Spanky or someone has to like approve your account. So you have to put something in that proves that you're a listener. But anything will do. Just put something. Just whatever. Just whatever. And we're on the socials as well. I'm Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeeling. And of course we're on YouTube under those names as well. And you can support the podcast. It needs supporting. We need support. We need propping up. We're knackered. 
if you go to patreon.com forward slash stctp and drop in any amount that you want, sign up, join us, and you will get such goodies. We have been lugging a treasure chest full of goodies all the way across the planet, and we've got it into our house, and we've opened it up, and it's full of goodies. And the goodies are years worth of videos of me and Chris, and their audio as well, if you prefer that. We've covered in sort of review format, in chapter by chapter, like review response format, the entire Martin Adams series of books, the four novels that came out back in 1993, early days, actual novels about Sonic the Hedgehog, including Sonic in the Fourth Dimension, one of the best Sonic stories ever told, and an interview with its author, James Wallace. Yes, they're Martin Adams, but that was a pseudonym. You'll find out by watching all of our Patreon content. But that's not the only live author experience no, you'll no. find there, oh, too. No. As Dave Bulmer, yeah. celebrity, yeah. 12 graphic novel Sonic yes. author yeah. that you heard about earlier in the podcast yeah. there. That luminary has been dredged <laughs> out of the past <laughs> and brought his work to the present for me to bask in. Yeah. Listeners, have your mind blown by the story of Secrets of Mobius. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. your arse is where it is the direction it will be blown but. have your very pants and trousers blown off um, as a teenager listener I wrote some epic Sonic fanfics and I've been reading them to Chris and you get to see his little face that's where the appeal lies it's my <laughs> suffering not in the story itself ah they might like it <laughs> might be your thing come and suffer along with us patreon.com forward slash stctp our theme song is called synchronize that's by Sonic the comic the band that's Sarah and Steph, who you might remember from our 100th episode, they are a band called Sonic the Comic. But we are a podcast called Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we will see you next time! Someone else made a point to me off the air as well, that castration would do no good because uh, I didn't really understand the argument why...